Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball series with myself, Andrew Bogut, and Mike Procopio at Hoop Consultants, episode 38 Pro. How's it going? Bogues, how you doing, brother? Just another fucking day at the circus, my friend. That's it. Bread and circuses, baby. That's what we like to see. But we've got a big show today where we're going to actually preview uh, every team in the Eastern Conference. We'll do the West next week, so stay tuned for that. We'll get through some news as we usually do. And also, we have uh, later on in the show... We had a few people um, give us some good feedback about the segment we did with Ethan Sherwood-Strauss around NBA fraudsters and financial advice. And there's a few people that have reached out that have asked if we could give um, some advice around how to better handle your finances as a, as a professional athlete or what advice would I give. So I've put together some tips. Now, I have to give that statement of this is by no means any financial advice. <laughs> Please consult your tax agent and all that bullshit. But <laughs> let's get right into it, man. We're going to season preview. We're going to try to give the, a good followers and people out there who we think is going to be playoff bound and playoff bounced. Pretty simple. Now, playoffs for us are the top 10 because of that uh, playing game. They've changed the rules on us and we're classifying the playoffs as top 10 pro. So, we can't stipulate if we think they're going to be you know, a top four, top five or, or they're going to be within sure. the bottom bracket. But I'll go first. We'll start with the New York Knicks. I think they're going to improve and I base that on – they'll probably finish around about where they did last season, but I think they'll be a better team. I equate the Kemba signing to a poor man's kind of D. Rose when D. Rose was with Thibs just from a usage and getting the ball in his hands from an isolation point of view, which they did a lot with D. Rose, obviously when he won the MVP and, and then they had that, that little run there um, with Noah and, 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 and Boozer and all that. Um, that was really good and I think Thibs does a good job with isolation guards now – what will that mean for Julius Randle's usage? Because last season, his usage was at a career high and he had a hell of a year. I'm not sure, but I think they'll be better. He gets a lot out of his high-scoring guards, so I think that's a big plus. And they, they really struggled offensively pro last last playoffs. Um, they really dried up. They were, they were pretty good defensively, um, but I think this Kemba acquisition is going to make them a little bit of a better team. I've got them playoff-bound, bro. What about yourself? Yeah, I think the same. I think they'll be playoff-bound. I, I- you know, I agree that Kemba Walker sort of signing was a great signing for them. Um, although, did, did they, you know, him and Rose would be good just for more firepower. It'll be interesting how Tibbs plays a heavy minutes with the starters, you know, in his rotation players. So it'll be interesting how Kemba's body sort of reacts to that. But um, they do have talent, you know, and I think Obi Toppin didn't really have a great year last year. You know, he was their first round pick from um, last draft. I think he's going to be better. Evan Fournier is a good pickup for them. You know, Alec Burks is a good player. Randall, I think, is going to have a, you know, another all-star season. Mitchell Robinson will be big if he could stay healthy. Stay healthy, yeah. Yeah, him and Snerlin and well at that center spot. I, I do say I, I agree with you, Bogues, on this. I think we definitely agree. I think they're uh, playoff bound. And Mitchell Robinson, I think if he he can stay healthy and really play that, I don't think he's as, as good passer as what Joe Kim Noah was in Dibs' system. But mm-hmm. he's probably a better shot blocker than Joe Kim Noah was if he can just be mm-hmm. that. That rim presence, he doesn't need the ball. He's going to be living off dunker, um, short corner kind of dunks, alley oops offensive rebounds and when he's healthy you know he's he can be a 15 and 15 guy with three or four blocks and cause some trouble there and um i think that's going to be his role so i agree there i, I really think the mitchell robertson thing for them is is key if he can stay healthy um that two, and then you bring noel off the bench who's a similar type player i think they got a chance brooklyn nets for me 
Championship or bust, obviously, even without Kyrie, I'm putting it out there. I think health is a key for them. Um, I think they're going to be a little bit more improved just from the point of view of playing together. Um, now, last season, they never really had the big three healthy in stretches, and, and we kind of commented on whether that would hurt them in the long run, not playing together enough. But I'm going to call it now, Prime. I'm saying Kevin Durant is going to win the MVP. I think everything's poised towards that. He, he came back from the injury. He had a fantastic season last season whilst managing the injury and coming back from that. Going into a fantastic Olympics, at the end of the day, he was the guy that nobody could stop during that Olympic campaign whenever they needed a bucket. I think this is going to catapult him back to, not that he wasn't in the upper echelon, um, he was, but he came back from that injury. But I'm saying he's going to be the MVP of the NBA season next year if he stays healthy. And, and obviously, they're playoff bound. They're going to be top two, in my opinion, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be very good regardless of what they have, if Kyrie plays or not. I, I think their lineup is very explosive. You know, you know, James Harden's a better passer than Kyrie is anyway. Like, he's a better, you know, I know he gets that ISOs, you know, you know, sort of reputation, the way he plays, it's not the sexiest of, of styles of play. But he's a great passer, especially when they're up-tempo. You still got him and Durant in the lineup. And then you got great role players in, you know, Joe Harris and Bruce Brown. You got LaMarcus Aldridge, if he could if he could stay healthy and, you know, everything goes well with him. And then Blake Griffin played well off the bench last year uh, for them. So, I, I, st- I think they're going to... Yeah, I mean, I think they're playoff bound, obviously. Kevin Durant I had his last year as my MVP. I think Luka Doncic will win it this year, but um, I, I think KD's probably the most dedicated basketball player to loving the game and playing and competing uh, than anyone else in this league. I mean, the guy just loves to compete. He loves to play. He's got the work ethic. You know, he's a great player to watch. It's just, it's magical to watch the fucking guy. And, you know, I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be right in the championship conversation, even without Kyrie. I think that will be rectified in a trade if, if anything else. So, you know, if you add other pieces to that, as well as what they got, I think they they got a legitimate chance. Do you think Lamarcus plays? I haven't really heard much from from their camp about where he's at. Um, obviously, coming back, missing a little bit of time. Do you think he, he'll get in that lineup and find some minutes? You know, folks, I think by all-star break, he's either going to have to retire or he's going to be fine. You know, I don't think there's going to be any middle ground there. I think he'll probably need to find his legs under him, as you know. Um, but I think by all-star break, 41 games in or so, I think that, you know, he'll be ready to rock. He'll be ready to do whatever. And look, he wasn't all that great when he left the game as far as like his pr- productivity. You know, obviously, you know, his body's banged up a little bit and, you know, it's banged up a lot from all that mileage he put on it throughout his career. But um, I think he could help them. You know, you get like a three-headed monster with him and Blake and Paul Millsap. You know, you could just sort of like mismatch those guys around. You know, look, you don't need anybody to do anything great there. You've got the two, you've got your two superstars and three if you rectify that with Irving. But all you need is a bunch of guys like Patty Mills running around making shots, you know, Joe Harris making shots. You got, like I said, Millsap and Griffin doing their thing. You know, and even their their rookie Cam Thomas might be able to throw in some minutes here and there and give him something. So they got a bunch of guys that know how to play together. They've got a great coach. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty fired up to watch the team play. Yeah, Joe Harris is going to have to bounce back. A season uh, considering his playoffs so I think he'll be he'll be should yeah. be a much better player with a bit of motivation behind him to finish the season off better Philly obviously the Ben Simmons saga my question is around their team chemistry now that he's coming back it's it's um you know we, we both believe he will be traded but let's say he hangs around for a month or two it could be somewhat detrimental that locker room is going to be a strange strange environment to be around you know that we, we all know we've all been part of that the awkward 
silence kind of in the room when these kind of things happen. Um, kind of like Ben walks in, then walks out of the room, and guys are <laughs> making little comments and whatever. Um, yeah. I think they're going to be a clunky playoff-bound team. They're going to be playoff-bound, obviously, but I think it's just going to be clunky till they figure out what the hell their roster is and what their identity is. I think if I'm if I'm Doc, I'm building this thing, not that he hasn't already, completely around Joel because Ben's got one foot out the door. So even if Ben's there, you, you play him, you, he helps you get some wins, but you don't go all in towards you know his strengths. I think you start building to what you would be um, as Joel as your, your mainstay. But yeah, they're playoff bound, but I think it's just going to be, it's going to be a bumpy road, a few head knocks, and they, they should be somewhere in the middle there, you know, four to seven. But yeah, I think it's going to be a rough run for them. Yeah, you know what happens in this league? People become fucking pussies as far as talking to players and telling them the truth you, you dance around this shit you dance around this shit the one good thing about having doc rivers and the best thing is the guy you know for the most part like lines you up and can tell you the truth the problem is they're they're, they're way past the fucking mendoza line on this stuff they're past the point of no return but like if you don't like what you get, you're gonna get for him trade wise and you, you gotta get him in a room bogues and say look you don't want to be here we don't exactly want you here either. We get it, but we both got to play the part for at least one more season. If we're not going to be able to move you, you know, you got to be able to play the part and we got to play the part. And look, you know, this is the best for everybody to get everybody on board with you being here for at least another year to, to bring your trade value up, to bring you somewhere where, because we're not just going to trade you for anything. You know, if that's the case you want, I don't know what they want to do. I don't, I'm not a mind reader, but I'm tired. Like when situations like this come up, the guys on your roster, you know, everybody knows the situation. You're not hiding anything from anybody. His trade value is at an all-time low. You got absolutely no fucking leverage. You know, it's like it's like coming in with a 92 Chevy and thinking you got $40,000 of fucking trade-in value to your fucking dealership. <laughs> the guy will tell you to fuck off. You don't have that. The guy, you know, so you got to like say, look, if you're going to be here, it's going to be clunky for a while. But like, we're all in on you. You're all in on, on us. Until we can get you the fuck out of here and you want to leave, we want you gone. They obviously don't want him there, but like it can't be like this. It can't be an Anthony Davis situation when he wanted, he demanded a trade in, in New Orleans. It can't be this bullshit because it's a bad product. It's like, you know, having him on the floor if he doesn't want to be there and you don't want him and it, it shows it's like having two fucking boxes that took, you know, took money to take a dive. It's just an ugly. That's my point, bro. So it's like if they, if they, if, if Maury draws a line in the sand and says, you need to report, you need to play yourself into form so we can move you. It's a mutual kind of um, agreement we're going to have. We're trying to get you out of here. You need to play well for us. But to what detriment of the chemistry of the team, to what detriment of a Matisse Thibel who plays a similar role, similar positions at times for mm -hmm. him, or, or Tobias Harris, they're losing. You know, The other thing is you know, we all know that if he's got one foot out of the door, the minute any adversity hits, if he's with Philly for no his first couple of months, what's going to happen? He's going to, you know, that's that's human nature. It's like, uh, you know, adversity's yeah. hit. We're, we're four straight losses. The coach is on my ass. I'm not going to respond. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get out of here. I don't, I'm not I'm not invested in this. And that's the concern. I'm not blaming Ben for that. That's just the reality of when these situations arise and you've got one foot out the door, you're not fully bought in. I don't care who you are. You're not fully bought in mentally and physically for the team. So if you get chewed out by a coach at halftime, you're going to ignore it. You're not going to just you're just going to kind of like oh, oh well i'm out of here soon anyway that's the other concern you have and that's a team that 
you know, arguably was primed for a championship the last couple of seasons or close to. Remember, Kawhi Leonard's fadeaway, you know, in the corner, bounce, 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 potentially could have been them in the NBA finals. Um, so that was so close and that's the bounces of the NBA. But it's, it's just a tough one, I think, when you're putting the detriment of your team culture and environment. It's just got to be fucking awkward in that locker room the moment he walks in there, oh. especially when you read Danny Green's comments. You know, they were a bit of click, there was a bit of clickbait involved by SportsCenter, I get it, but he basically said something along the lines of, um, look, we don't we don't need him to shoot. If he doesn't want to shoot, he just needs to report. Um, and then someone's actually, which we'll get to, we're going to get to a little bit later with the Ben thing, but we might as well talk about it now that we're on Philly. There's someone supposedly from the team has leaked that, um, we know how these things go with leaks, but it's, it's out there. The fact that it's coming from that locker room is why I'm bringing it up, that he has to now show his face in that locker room that before game seven against Atlanta, he volunteered that he was a close exposure to someone hoping that he would, someone someone on the team is saying this, hope, hope, he was hoping he'd get a COVID-19 positive so he didn't have to play in game seven because he was that fried. Now, who knows where the truth is to that? I'm not discussing that. My point is that someone even leaked this. That can't be good for team chemistry. And I, I know, you know, if you're Ben going into that environment, you've probably got some reservations. So, that's my point. I, I just think that the chemistry and just your day-to-day with that elephant in the room, I think Maury's, Maury's days are numbered for leverage. I think they need to eventually, you know, these next couple of weeks, they got to bite the bullet. And if they get shafted a little bit on that deal, I would argue it's better for their team chemistry because they then know who the fuck they are going into a season. Where right now, who, who are you, Philly? Like, are you still going to play open floor basketball for Ben to, to attack and get his value up at the detriment of Joel Embiid than having to float to the three? You know, like, whereas in two months' time, Joel's going to be 90% of usage. That That's kind of the debate I'm having in my head, bro. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I, I agree, like, we talked about the trade, so we won't even talk about like where and when and how. But if you're not going to trade him, like if right now, you might as well say like if you're not happy with the deals and you're not going to do it, you might as well say we're not trading him this year. We are not trading him. He is a 76er. But tell him, say that in November. Don't say that in fucking trade deadline. You say it now. At least you put it out there and you mean it. Now, players won't trust you and they won't believe it. Uh, shocker that, you know, somebody from a team will lie about it in the media and not, not follow through. But I think that that's the only way to go. Like, you either deal him now or you just say, fuck it. We are not dealing him. He is a 76er. We are going to grow with him and Embiid and this is our team. And we, we guarantee you he will not be traded. Now, you can't really do that in reality because you always got to you always gotta try to upgrade your roster and things. But I think you got to go either one. I think you either got to deal him in the next few weeks or you got to just come out and say he is not being traded for like everybody's you know, for everybody's, you know, sort of benefit. And that leak about the, the the whole COVID thing, who the fuck knows if it's true or not, but I wouldn't put it past the team to put, the, you know, to leak that himself, you know, just to make them look, again, you know how it is. It's a nuclear arms race to see who's got the upper hand in this shit and who looks better and, and, and how to, you know, and it's bullshit. It's fucking total bullshit. Agents do it, teams do it, players do it, you know, just to get an upper hand like they're fucking six years old. Yeah, it's all about leverage. It's a, it's literally a chess poker game right now between Daryl Morey and the rest of the NBA. It's a chess game between the rest of the NBA and Daryl Morey. So you'll have rival agents. Uh, sorry, you'll have rival GMs going through the agent trying to leak stuff that's detrimental to Philly's prospects and then Philly leaking stuff to, you know, and that's just the dirtiness of the game. you got to kind of read between all those lines. But um, it is a dirty game and it will be interesting to see what direction they take. Boston, so we obviously both have Philly playoff bound. Boston, I think they'll be solid, but I mean, I can... I don't know. I've just got a hunch I could see them falling. To, they were seventh last season, so this isn't, you know, uh, 
a pick that's off the off the landscape, but um, I think they could potentially be a playing team, bro. I don't know. I've just got some. I've got a bad feeling about Boston. I think Tatum coasts at times. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't see it, bro. I think they'll be solid, but I just think they're gonna they're gonna be. Eight, nine, ten. Um, I don't think they fall out, but I think you're going to be at the bottom part of that. New coach as well, new system. You know, uh, supposedly a hard, a more strict, harder disciplinarian type coach. Uh, where do you see them, Pro? I mean, they're, they're kind of a tough one for me to pick, but I, I have them at the bottom of the East playoff run. Yeah, you know, Bugs, I'm, I'm back and forth on Boston. You know, because look, they weren't very good last year, and you lose as much as people want to bitch about Ken Kemba Walker. And the guy still averaged about 19 points a game for them, and he still was a weapon, and you gave him away for almost nothing in Horford. I think Horford's sort of done. You know, he's not done, done, but like he's not going to really be the, the high-level player that he used to be, just like anyone else, but who's aged and, and played. The question is, if you're going to put him at eight or nine, who leapfrogs them? You know, like, I, I love Chicago, what they did in the offseason. You know me, oh, you know, my heart on for fucking Miami. They're always good. Brooklyn's going to be good. Like, the pro- the thing is, if you're going to put him in borderline or you're going to put him in play-in, like, who leapfrogs them? The problem is the fucking bottom of the bottom is fucking brutal for the Eastern Conference. So, I don't think anybody could really come from the bottom and leapfrog them. It will have to be teams like Indiana, which I don't think is very good, but they're, you know, they're well coached and they got, they got sort of some decent players. Uh, Boston, like you said, they've got way more talent than a lot of these teams that are going to be in the same mix, but I, I don't trust Tatum yet. You know, Brown's good, but he's got to consistently stay at that level and, and he's going to be good, but I don't completely trust Boston's roster and all that shit about fucking, you know, hard line in the sand. sand. We'll see about ha- what happens at hard line in the sand when you got to deal with Jason Tatum and saying that, well, he's not going to do the same things he did last year. Well, we'll see. You will see because we know that players run this league and there are only a couple of places where the coach will have enough support from the organization to do it, say what they need to say and do what they need to do to make sure culture is restored. So we'll see what happens. You know, I think uh, Adoka's got, you know, good intentions in mind, but the good intentions versus reality situation, you know, let's see if they're still hearing that voice and listening to that voice in January, February, if the team's struggling. Look, their starting five is okay. You know, you got Schroeder, Smart, Brown, Tatum, probably either Robert Williams or, you know, or, or Horford, you know, starting five. I sort of like Cantor. They got him in the roster too. I just don't, th- I don't like their bench. I don't think they're good enough. And that's, that's the thing. I, I think they'll probably be to me like a seven, you know, and we'll go over this in later episodes about ranking and stuff. I could see them at like a seven, eight. I don't think they're going to go into the play in. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I think teams like New York and Chicago are going to surpass them this year. Uh, definitely Chicago, possibly New York. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I think they're I, I think they're playoff bound for sure. Uh, for sure. The question is obviously where 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 do we rank it? You know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting to see. But they're basically banking on their big three of they paid Smart, Tatum, and Brown. And um, I mean, Shrewd is a nice piece that they got cheaply because he just threw lit eighty million dollars on fire. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I think I don't think they're going to make a lot of noise even if they get there. Toronto, um, this is a 
strange roster. Uh, have you looked at that roster? Yeah, I mean, it's, I have. It's, it's young. It's, it's just a strange one to me. Um, but anyway, look, they're stuck between a rebuild and fringe playoff, in my opinion. Um, I think they're, 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 they're surging downwards <laughs> towards rebuild. It is essentially, you look at a championship team more than a couple of seasons, not more than a couple of seasons ago. It's Pascal Siakam's team, right? I'm not sold on him as a number one option. Not even close. I think he's a great player. He got paid in that finals. He he was he was phenomenal because we <laughs> we kind of had him as the dare guy and probably disrespect him a little bit and he burned us. Credit to him, but I just don't think he's a number one guy, but I think it seems like he thinks he is. Um but yeah, I don't see them. Their, their playoff bounced for sure. I don't know what direction their roster is going. Um, it's interesting because they, you know, they have a coach there that wants to win. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where where you think they sit and whether they end up just saying, you know, let's just blow this thing up. But they don't have much more left to blow up. I mean, they got rid of Lowry and a few other pieces, and this is kind of all they got. They, they got to go young again. Yeah, folks. Uh, you know, I, I think they're a playing team at best. Um, they're probably you know sitting at probably ten. If I had to rank them, you know, off the top of my head, they don't have much on their roster. Siakam, in my opinion, is not a number one option. I think he can put up numbers on a bad team. I think they were good collectively when he really was rolling with Lowry and Leonard, you know, and then obviously those guys are gone. There's a lot different between being a guy who, you know, gets paid and can sort of not coast, but can sort of like let someone else take the reins. And then you just put in your, you know, you put in your day's work and put in your numbers. I, I just don't think he's very good. I think it's a good player. Don't get me wrong. A very good player, probably a top 40 or top 50 player in the league. I just don't think he's a uh, top 30, you know, top 30. Yeah. A top 30 number one option, you know, on, on a team. But, you know, they got Van Fleet. They got him. OG got hurt last year. It'll be interesting what they do with Dragic. Uh, I love Scotty Barnes. He's a young kid out of Florida, uh, out of Florida that they have. You know, I, I think he's a very good player. You know, he's a rookie that uh, – Florida State, I'm sorry, not Florida. You know, I think he's a very good player. I think he plays hard. Gary Trent Jr. is a nice little player. They've got good role players. And the problem is they're sitting in there, you know, probably middle of the pack. You know, they're not going to draft high enough unless they get lucky to really get a showstopper. And they don't really have the team they advance in the playoffs. So, they, they, it'll be interesting. I, I would think that they – they're going to have to go young. Dragic is probably going to get traded. I've heard rumors of Dallas, you know, but some of the players that they're expecting to try to get from Dallas, Dallas doesn't want to get rid of. Well, especially because he'll be a, probably be a buyout anyway if he doesn't get traded. So, so there's not much value there, right? I agree. Like if I'm Dallas, I'm not giving up anything. Dallas has, a, you know, Dallas has, a, has the makings of trying to be a, you know, final four team in the West. So I, I think that like... I don't think I'm given any assets. You could probably get them, especially with, you know, the, the relationship with, with Luka and Dragic. And, you know, they, they were rumored to trade Dragic to Dallas a couple of years ago. Somehow the trade got, you know, botched up and they ended up, you know, acquiring another player. But yeah, I, I don't see this team going anywhere. Although I think they're, I would say because we're ranking top 10, I think they're playoff bound. Yeah, I, I guess I'll put, but just because the floor of the Eastern Conference is so fucking bad. So fucking bad. So I, I would say they play, I, I would say they play up bound. 
Okay, and look, they are. When you look at their roster, they look like a tank-bound roster. For we got, let's see, this is years of experience from top to bottom on their current roster. Now they'll make some cuts for camp, obviously. But rookie, 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 four years, one year, thirteen years being Dragic, who's probably going to be gone. One year, four years, three years, rookie, three years, three years, one, five, four, four, three, five. So the experience is all. They, they don't have. They've got one guy on their roster above thirty years old. That's Dragic. He's going to be gone. They don't have much experience on their roster. This is this is a tank roster. If I've ever seen it hopefully they can hmm. develop their young guys but i, I don't I, i'm not buying it I'm, I'm going against what you say i think they're gonna be playoff bounced um they'll be at the bottom of that eastern conference somewhere because i just can't see who replaces uh a, a, someone being you know toronto replacing someone that i've got in my 10 as a now so we'll okay. watch that space detroit look young rebuilding team they'll be i think they'll be f- fun and exciting to watch if you can put aside the losses <laughs> if that makes sense they're gonna be playoff bounced um, they have some good, exciting pieces in the draft. We're still not sure which way they go. Still not sure, you know, if Jeremy Grant is a top one, two, three on a team. He had a decent year stat-wise, but you know, on a bad team, who can say? But yeah, I think they'll be fun and exciting just to watch their trajectory. But that's if you don't pull your hair out, um, taking a lot into wins or losses, pro. So I got playoff bounce for them, obviously. Yeah, playoff bounce. I think they know that. I think I don't think they're kidding anybody. Um, they do have good young players. You know, Sadiq Bay. They're very high on. You know, Cade Cunningham. Of course, they're you know their draft pick. They're their number one pick from this year. They've you know Jeremy Grant. I, you know, it is what it is. You you need bodies though. Like I don't think you can go full tank mode and just have all these young rookies in your rot in, in your rotation. I think you definitely need some other players like a Jeremy Grant. Where once these guys start developing, you get him. You know, obviously. Is a big chunk of your salary cap, but you know you're going to be bad. You have this kid, and if Cade Cunningham in two years' time from now could really develop into a top three player on a team, now you put him a Grant, and then some of these other guys develop, and you could sort of start like put him in into these boxes, and you know group these guys together, and maybe four or five years, you know, you're going to keep a few like three out of your top eight right now, and really go forward with them. So yeah, I don't I don't expect much from them. I don't think they do either. I think they know their rebuild on this, but. Maybe it's a team a few years from now we can look and say, yeah, they're, they're in the right direction. So, yeah, playoff bounced. Playoff bounced. Right. Yes, bounced. Bounced, yeah. Sorry, it's my lisp. I, I apologize. <laughs> There's no S in it. <laughs> so, hey, when I'm, when I'm wrong about half these fucking picks, folks, I can always blame the lisp. So. Or COVID. Oh, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, I'll talk to Polinka, so don't worry about it. That's right. All right, Milwaukee Bucks, obviously top two, three in the East in my book. Now, I don't know if you've – we don't want to take too much from preseason as gospel, but Giannis' shot looks a very good pro. Um, he's changed – it looks yep. much different than last season. It's it's way less hesitation, obviously. The hitch seems to be uh, in the rearview mirror so far. Now, it is preseason, less pressure, inflow, no injuries, up and down, all that kind of stuff that gets thrown out the window when the season starts. But shit, man, he's, he's shot the ball pretty well in preseason. I like it. Um, fatal, the, even just that little 10-foot fadeaway, I think, for him is going to be huge when they, when they try to get to boxes and elbows defensively and make him shoot that. Now he's confident doing it. He looks very, very good in the preseason considering he's come off the year that he has. Hangover would, would have been excused for him for sure. Rodney Hood, if he can find half of himself of what we know he was capable of in the past, now we haven't seen it for a couple of years. I like that addition if he can find half of himself because they need a good bench punch. They didn't really have that last season, even though they won the championship. They will get DiVincenzo back, which is a, a great addition for them. But they're going to be in the top four, in my opinion, again. Um, they're going to be somewhere in that mix. They're obviously playoff bound without a doubt but they'll be they'll be you know i think top four when it's all said and done east and west they'll be in there somewhere i think it, it highly highly um 
high potential for it to go Milwaukee, Brooklyn again if, if the seeding lines up. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I second that. I mean, they're, they're a very good, you know, veteran team now. They've 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 tasted winning. Um, I agree with the Giannis thing. He's shooting the ball great. Look, when you have, you know, when when you're comfortable and you're confident, you know, especially when you've had the success in the playoffs, you know how that is, Bogues. You've seen it with Golden State front, you know, front seat. What that does, what winning a championship and playing well when you have to produce in the playoffs does for your ego. It does for your, you know, gets your juices flowing as a player and it really steps you up in your development. I don't care if you're a young kid. I don't care if you're an older player. If you finally find that, you, you sometimes turn the corner on it. And look, I was very, you know, I've been very critical of Giannis' shooting and uh, I'll admit it when when I'm wrong. He, you know, he was struggling at times in the playoffs and he just you know he just sort of tunnel visioned it and made all his free throws and made some big shots and he's a worker and he loves the game so I, I know he probably put in a lot of fucking work in the offseason as well and sometimes with that hit stuff like you got to work on it it's a long-term project especially in the offseason you can make a lot of leeway you can make a lot of headway with it so I expect this team to be right there I'm not a like I've always been a George Hill I mean not George Hill but a Rodney Hood fan and he always disappoints for one reason or another you know how it is folks sometimes guys just don't have it when they really need to lift their game. Now, the good thing is he's got a bunch of players that are better than him on this team, so his role doesn't have to be as high. So, you know, uh, those starters could really take a lot of pressure off him. And then you get tough kids like Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen's not a bad little pickup. Bobby Portis's game has really stepped up. So they, he's, they've got some other guys that could really take the pressure off him where all he has to do is come in and maybe straight line drive or make a shot and then get hot a little bit. And yeah, it could be a big part. I, you know, this team, hey, I wouldn't put it past this team to be able to beat Brooklyn again, even with all their guys, if these guys get it rolling. Because they play so well together. They've had that success that Brooklyn hasn't had yet. And, you know, they've got this playoff success. They won a championship. They they love playing with each other. They haven't really lost a lot, you know, as far as off their roster. So, uh, I, I see this team going really deep into the playoffs. Uh, playoff bound. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. I think they, um, like you said, they probably got their windows still open for another couple of years, and they, they're going to go all in towards that. They'll probably pick up some um, veterans before the buyout. I assume again that could help, a la PJ Tucker or something like that. That'll help them get over the top. But I think they're still a very, very good basketball team from top to bottom. Uh, very well coached, and yeah, it'll be interesting to watch the Chicago Bulls. Exciting new roster, pro. Um, they've made a lot of changes. They've gone with a whole, whole different um, array of, 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 of players and their playing style. I don't know if it's a case of something that's just new and shiny being good because it's new and shiny or not. For me, I just can't pick if this roster fits or not. It's just, a, I don't know. I might be completely wrong. They could go number one in the East, um, but it just seems like a strange roster put together. You know, you've got Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, v- um, Nikola Vucevic needs his post touches. Then you've got uh, DeMar DeRozan, who's not the best three-point shooter at times next to Vuce in the post. So he's more of a long two guy. Um, you throw Caruso in, Caruso in there. Um, Stanley Johnson's obviously in there. There's a few other pieces, but Kobe White's development, is that then hindered now? Because, you, you know, you've got other guards in front of him. I, I don't know. I don't know how it fits, Pro. I think they're, they're going to be playoff bound in my opinion. But I just I just wonder, are they, are they a little bit of that new and shiny feel that you you get with a new car and then you know the battery goes flat the next day yeah new shiny feel for sure because they picked up some big names you know they made the uh, Vucevic trade 
you know, a trade deadline. So that was a big one. You know, they pick up Lonzo Ball. They spent some money picking up Ball and DeRozan, you know, Caruso. So they made some headway picking up some names. It'll be interesting because I don't know if they have enough consistent shooting around Vucevic when, when he starts getting doubled in the post. You know, Lonzo Ball had a great shooting year last year in, in comparison to what he's done in the past. You got Levine, who obviously could, you know, could score, you know, at will. But, you know, I don't know exactly what Patrick Williams is about. Uh, I don't know with Caruso and Lonzo and, you know, what Kobe White. I, Kobe White would obviously get time, but Caruso is going to have to get some time too. So that that's going to hurt. I hate him to get time. Yeah. So. No question about it. So, yeah, I think these guys could be better than the Celtics. You know, they might be able to win a round possibly. And I think they'll, you know, if I have to compare them because, you know, Chicago, New York, and Boston are sort of going to be jockeying for a position. And I, I still think these guys are good because I really like DeRozan because he, he plays plays hard you know he's not a great but I, I think he's good I think he's solid you know Lonzo's had a good year maybe maybe a change of scenery is going to do him good and you know Vucevic is always a 20 and 10 guy so you know, it'll be an interesting deal I agree I don't know how far they can go I don't think they have enough shooting if I say they don't have enough shooting they're going to be they're going to be breaking fucking all the Golden State's records of their shooting you know how I make fucking predictions well, I, think, I think a guy a guy might that might play on their roster that probably will fall into minutes is Matt Thomas. He's, uh, you know, not an athletic guy, not a great defender, but a knockdown three-point shooter at the best of times, really, really efficient from the three-point line. And, and if you're playing Vooch and DeRozan and that floor's starting to shrink a little bit, I think he'll be a key piece for him to get 10 or 15 spot minutes that if, you know, just a no-leave guy. He's really the only guy I've looked on that roster, I mean, that that absolute under no circumstances no-leave guy, right? So um, he might fall into a little bit of minutes more than he's probably used to. Yeah, I don't know much about Thomas, but you know, I, I watched him a little bit, but I, I don't really know much about him. Um, you know, I know he's, you know, I know he can shoot it a little bit. So yeah, I mean, if they're gonna need him, you know, because they need to surround those guys with shooting, and they don't have it right now. You know, consistent shooting. Like, look, like I said, they, they've got a couple of guys that put up. You know, obviously Levine can make shots. Vucevic has added that to his game. You know, the, the, you know, shooting the ball, but. Again, Ball has to show that that's how I judge a guy's development in shooting if he could do it from, you know, it's easy to do it for a year, you know, on losing teams, but can you do it in consecutive years going forward? So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think they're, they're playoff bound for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, Matt Thomas just quickly shot at 51, 52% in 2019-20. 38% um, 2021 and then a decline last season uh, Sorry, with Chicago at the 33%. Um, oh, sorry, that's for the preseason, 33%. So, you know, he's, he's declined a little bit, but he's still he's still a guy. He's, he's a Kyle Korver type, in my opinion, that you're just not going to leave the three-point line. But I, I just think you'll fall into some minutes by accident to space the floor. Cleveland Cavs, I mean, to me, they're, they're, they're probably a little bit above Detroit, but still they'll be fun to watch because they're young and, and flash. They're not going to – I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I think they're playing off bounced. I think they're in a situation where they're still trying to figure out whose team is Cleveland Pro. I mean, they're, they've got two young Garland Sexton of their, their stars. Um, you factor in now, they've brought in Rubio. They paid Jared Allen as their franchise big, but it's out of those two guards in Garland and Sexton. Whose team is it, bro? Yeah, I hate that fucking who, whose team is bullshit. I, I, I fucking I despise it. I just go out and fucking play. But you know that's the mentality of young guys. Like most teams. No they'll, question they'll, they'll about look, it. They'll be looking at teams like, hey, Milwaukee's Giannis's team. Hey, you know, LeBron team the Lakers like and, and they'll probably be getting asked by their boys and this and that and the media might pump it up and it gets in those guys heads and that can that can be a problem we've seen it for the old school 90s fans the triple J's in Dallas you know um 
Jamal Mashburn, Jim Jackson, Jason Kidd, it broke up that which was supposed to be a you know potential championship team team down the line of young stars. You know, there's been numerous instances of that, and it can it can rear its ugly. I hate it as well, but I think it, it definitely plays, and, and that'll be something in those guys' heads. Yeah, if Cleveland played in the ACB, they'd get relegated to fucking LEB Gold. So I wouldn't worry about his fucking team. It is anyway. So you know, you know, I I, I just don't like the, these a bunch of guys. Look to me, it's fucking Evan Mobley's team. You know, none of these guys are really any good. Let's fucking be honest. Let's call it the way it is. Garland and Sexton can put up points. They're not winning players yet. They haven't, they haven't, they haven't proved it one fucking bit. No offense to them. They just haven't proved it yet. Evan Mobley, I don't know if he could play or not, but he's got a lot of fucking talent. You know, he could be a BAM type. You know, he, he's got some things he does pretty well offensively. He's got size. He, he seems like he likes the game. You know, Jared Allen, they, they signed. Kevin Love doesn't want to fucking be there. I was going to ask you, know, you what so, do they do with him? Because yeah. he, he wants to be, the, he doesn't want to be there, but he doesn't want to take a out, doesn't want to take a discount. What's going he, wa- he wants to be there until he kicks the fucking ball in the stands for not playing and fucking <laughs> runs out, and then you know, you know, you know, you know how that's gonna go. So that's not um, gonna go well. J- you know, Jared, Jared Allen, I really like. I think he's, you know, he's a solid big. He runs. He could block shots. He could roll hard to the rim. He's a pretty good player. He's developed, but you know how this league is. It's not really built for too many big guys. So you know, Mobley's your number. You know, your number one guy. You know, he's got to be a guy that develops because. You got nothing really else on your roster. You got to develop him. You got Allen as your veteran big going forward. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with Garland and Sexton. I don't know if you're going to have to deal them. You got Laurie Barkadin who's there. So who the what the fuck happens with him? You know, so they've got some issues. You know, how are you going to fit all that in? Is Markkinen a three? Because last I checked, I thought he was a stretch four. So I don't know how you could put him in the wing and have him, Mobley, and Allen in the same lineup and really be good. Those fucking Garland and Sexton better be like fucking Joe Dumars and fucking Isaiah Thomas back in the 80s. I don't I don't see this team going anywhere. I think you're going to have to move Garland and or Sexton. You have to say it's Evan Mobley's Mike, our guy. You know, Jared Allen's going to be the complimentary player, you know, the very high-level complimentary player. Uh, you don't really have much on your roster. Oh, they picked up Kevin Pangos. I didn't know that. Kevin Pangos was a really good uh, played at Zenit in Russia last year. We actually had him in camp for the Mavericks in Summer League. He's really developed into a really good player. Uh, you know, he's a good third point guard. But they don't really have anything on their roster coming off the bench like Osman, Denzel Valentine. You know, you don't really have anything else that you could really rally around. They're relegated to uh, LEB gold until I say otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, if you can handle the losses, they'll be fun to watch some nights and some nights yeah. are pulling your hair out. Sure. It'll be interesting to watch the space around Kevin Love. Indiana Pacers, I think they'll be competitive. They've got a decent roster. Um, Rick Carlisle obviously will bring the ass-kicking style he does in that first couple of weeks of training camp. Um, I'd be interested to see if he can get him back to the Nate McMillan style of, of disciplined, hard-nosed basketball. I think um, they can definitely be a, a team that's just solid on a nightly basis with their roster. They're playoff bound. I don't think they're going to make much noise other than the first round. I think um, maybe maybe they'll get the championship the first year pro and then and then not not get out of the first round for another decade like Dallas. That, that'd be a win right now. You'd take that, wouldn't you? 
I would take it. If you could win a playoff series there, you you could take it. Obviously, Carlisle and I are not on each other's Christmas card list. You know, that's been pretty well fucking documented. But I think this is his type of team to coach, though. You've got guys that are sort of under the radar as far as like, I wouldn't say underrated, but they're not like, there's no superstars on the team. He's got all, you know, he's got these guys that are sort of like hard, you know, tough kids that play hard. You know, Sabonis and Brogdon will be interesting what happens at Miles Turner. TJ Warren, I'm not sure about his injury deal, what's going on with him. Karis Levert got hurt again. You know, I, I really think that, you know, they lost some shooting last year for sure. Uh, Doug McDermott, you know, went to San Antonio. You know, that was really interesting because I thought that, that he's t- you know, Carlisle's type of guy to be able to stretch the floor for these guys. So I think, like I said, I think what Rick brings offensively to this team, you know, and he is a hard-nosed guy like that. I think they could do okay if they could stay healthy. You know, Brogdon's not a great player, but he's a solid player. You know, I think they overpaid him, but they needed to in free agency. You know, you put him and Sabonis together. If Turner could, you know, Turner hasn't been happy the last couple of years. You know, if they could sort of get him right and get him going offensively. Yeah, they could be okay. I think they could get in. They'll definitely, in my opinion, get in the eight. I don't think they could win a series yet because now you're going to have to go against juggernauts in the first round with no home court advantage. They're not good enough to do that. And, you know, they'll be just okay. But I think Rick will get them, you know, eight, seven, something like that. I think he could get out, you know, he could borderline. I, I guess they're still playing though, right? At seven? Yeah. At seven, you're still playing. Yeah, so they're there. playing, but they're they're a higher seed in the playing. But I think, this, like I said, there's no superstar in this team. This is Rick's type of team. He can coach the shit out of them, run all the sets and do, do all the things. And I think they'll they'll probably be seven or eight this year coming up. Yeah, fair enough. I, I think so too. Look, if they can just get back to that Nate McMillan, like I said, I think they'll be competitive and fun to watch. And we, we know people in Indiana love watching solid fundamental basketball. So we'll watch that space. Charlotte Hornets, young, high-flying, flashy, exciting. Um, they're not going to be a fantastic team, top three, four, five, but they're going to be a real fun team to watch. I think their roster's um, young, talented. I mean, is looking really, really good, getting better and better. You know, flashy, kind of a guy you'd pay the price of admission to watch um, outside of a team. Not against the Mavericks in preseason, you wouldn't know. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> so you watched the preseason game, bro. Oh, they were lost by like 60. Folks. How much was it? I think they lost by 80. <laughs> no, literally, they lost by like in the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, as long as they don't have to play, sh- you know, Dallas in the preseason again, they'll be, they'll be, be- they'll be better off. But, oh, man. Yeah, they didn't play. Rogier didn't play and all, and all that. So they did sit some guys in, and Haywood didn't play. So I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, and right. interrupt no, you. I mean, yeah, good to know. I mean, we take a lot into the preseason. <laughs> so, yeah. But uh, look, I think. The question around them, they're playoff bound in my opinion. I think they'll be playing-ish. Um, they'll be down the bottom there somewhere. Will they grow further and build off of last season? I think they had a good good finish to the year last season. No one really expected them to be where they were. We had them kind of towards the bottom of, of the Eastern Conference um, starting in this very similar conversation we're having now a year ago for that season. So will they grow further and build or will they just stay where they are, bro? Well, Boggs, they did make a couple of good pickups Um Yo, know, in the off season, you know, Kelly Oubre, not a huge fan, but the guy is an assassin as far as scoring, you know, coming off the bench and, and, and adding offense. Mason Plumlee is one of my favorite centers in the league as far as, you know, solid centers that run the, run the floor. And I think those two guys are pretty solid to add to your young guys. I think you got to always like, you know, like Charlotte's not really a free agent destination. So, However, you could pick up solid role players to go along with your know, your higher draft picks. I think you're okay. You got ball, basically ball, 
Roger and Haywood are your guys, right? You got energy guys and Miles, uh, Miles Bridges and Plumley. You got Ubre, PJ Washington's good. You know, they've got some guys that, that are decent. They probably have, like you said, and you make a good point though, both thinking back to my Toronto pick, I'd probably have to change my Toronto pick from, yeah, cause I, I think you're right. I think at some point they're going to start tanking, you know, if, if things don't come good out of the, out of the, you know, out of the box. So I think Charlotte, because they're young and they don't know what they don't know yet. You know, and they've got some talent. They got some young guys. Is going to push all season. I mean, they're not going to tank. I don't think MJ is going to do that. I think they're just going to go full out. And if Haywood could stay healthy, you know, if, if you know Ball, Haywood, those guys stay healthy, Rogier stays healthy, you know, I think they, they they could be a solid team, like someone that's challenging for that ten spot. I don't think they're going to get Haywood's the key, in my opinion. Yeah, Haywood's definitely the key because uh, obviously he is Cliff Payton that way. But what what was noticeable last season was they looked very good in the first three quarters with their up tempo, run and gun style. When shit dried up and, and Haywood wasn't in the lineup, they just had that one less guy to be able to get him a bucket off their own merit. That's what they were really missing. And yeah, it was noticeable when Haywood wasn't out there for late game buckets for him. When they were in the free flowing game where they could get up a 10, 15 point lead and sustain that, they were really good. But in those tighter games, they just lost a lot of those games based on not being able to get a key bucket late. And that's what Haywood, if he can stay healthy, um, will provide for him. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Haywood, you know, Haywood played very well last year. And I think if he just knows how to play and he could put guys in position and, you know, he could make shots. He could straight line drive. He could pass the ball. Um, not a defensive stopper by any stretch of the imagination, but he's a good player, man. And they've got solid, solid players. They got a good coach. Um, I think they could probably get to the 10 spot and not as high as you probably have them. I got them a little lower probably than you, you than you, but I think they're a good team. They're going to keep fighting. And if they could just stay through, you always mention the Bogues again about getting punched in the face. If you could just get punched, take those punches, continue to pick yourself up and fucking keep going hard and just try to get over that hump. It might take another year or two for these guys to really get to where they need to get to. But hey, look, they, you got some exciting players. You just got to keep going and you know take your lumps, but continue to figure out why you play well and why you didn't and, and just stay with it. I think it'll be okay. Yep. Well, watch that one. Orlando Magic, oof, full rebuild here. Oh, fuck. It, it's going to be ugly yeah. for a few years in Orlando. The playoff bounced, obviously. Uh, they could finish dead last, in my opinion, in the East. Um, they are looking at their off. <laughs> no disrespect to the players on there, but I mean, you got Guy Mobamba. He is playing well. I got to give it. I got to give it decent to him. Preseason, decent preseason. Michael Carter Williams, yep. RJ Hampton, former NBL player. Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury will be interesting. Uh, Franz Wagner, Moritz Wagner, um, the brother, the brother duo. See how that goes. Robin Lopez, Terrence Ross, Wendell Carter Jr., Kyle Anthony, Etwan Moore. I mean, there's just not a whole lot there. Gary Harris uh, might be decent for him. It, yeah, I, I just don't see it. Jalen Suggs obviously coming in as their highly touted rookie so I, I don't see them winning many games it's going to be ugly there's going to be no one in the stands in that brand new shiny arena in, uh, in Orlando and that's probably as much as you can say about Orlando I think at this point if we relegated Cleveland to the fucking LEB gold you're going to relegate these guys to fucking Iceland you know pro B in Iceland because they're fucking brutal and it's hey, look it is what it is they're not very good 
they don't really have a lot of talent. They just got a lot of players on their on their roster. They're they're young. They're gonna try to do something with it. Terrence Ross has been solid for them, but you know Cole Anthony's he's coming off, off an okay year, a, a decent first season. Uh, Wendell Carter has been inconsistent because of injury. They just don't have a lot of things to go with. They're young and they can play hard, but. They got very little talent. Jonathan Isaac's a big a big deal for them because he's been hurt the last couple of years and you know, he they need something. You know, they 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 drafted, obviously they're trying to get better. They're young, but I just don't see it. You know, Fultz is still there as well. Yeah, Fultz is there. You know, Fultz is there. I think they drafted Franz Wag- uh, Franz Wagner, uh, Mo Wagner's brother. Yeah, and even Mo Bamba. I mean, like he played well at the end of the year. He's playing okay now. If he could turn the corner and be a serviceable, you know, rotation player for them, that's okay. But they just don't have talent. And look, Jalen Suggs. I think Jalen Suggs is an, a, a, a decent player. I don't think he's anything great. Um, I think he's like Murray from Denver, like a good player, solid. I think he could be like maybe a third best, you know, on a good team at some point. You know, Gary Harris has underperformed the last two years. RJ Hampton hasn't showed anything yet, but you know, they're all young. So the problem is with teams like this, they got to, they're going to get their balls fucking, you know, thrown in the dirt time and time again. And, you know, do you, do you let the losing, you know, do you succumb to the losing and have that mentality come February? You know, look, everything's, everybody's going to say the right thing right now in November, you know, October, November. We're young. We're going to be tough. We're going to be this and that. Okay. That's great. But what happens in February? What happens in March if this thing goes really bad? You got to keep them together. I think Jamal Mosley is a very good young coach. You know, it's a tough, this is a tough takeover for him, but he's got to take these lumps too and see what he has. You know, but they just got to stay together and they got to they got to deal with this because Orlando's not much of a free agent destination. You don't have a lot of talent in your roster. You've got to go through another draft or two before you could even make any type of headway. So these guys are going to have to get their dick, you know, their dick fucking knocked in the dirt and they're going to have to fucking get up and they're going to have to get up every day and continue to just fight hard and try to get a few wins here and there. And, you know, you got to you got to stay with it. I think this team is definitely um, not playoff bound. I think they're playoff bound. And yeah, they're just going to have to be tough and take their lumps and keep going forward because, you know, they, they got no other choice and it's, it's fucking tough. It's not like college where you, you know, awful fucking teams can, you know, play division two teams to get a few wins on their fucking belt come, you know, before fucking conference time. Every game's a fucking battle in the NBA, even though guys don't play hard until April. You got no fucking easy games in your roster, especially Orlando is one of the worst teams in the league. So like there's no easy, win- easy games in their fucking roster. So it's tough. Fun fact, bro, they still got they're still paying Timothy Mozgov this year. Ah, <laughs> oh, Timothy. Good old Timothy so Mozgov. They, they obviously stretched they must have got him I don't even know how he ended up there. It was obviously trade, 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 and they've obviously stretched I his, remember a trade, they obviously yeah. stretched his deal because that was a big deal that he signed with uh, the Lakers, I believe. That'd be still that same deal. They've stretched it out. They're paying him five point five seven three this season. I don't know where the hell he's even at in the world, but um good on him, man. Um take that money and run. Next one, obviously I've got um Orlando playoff bounce. Miami Heat, solid roster again. Now Tyler Hero, self-proclaimed oh, Luka nice. Doncic. In fact, you called him, what'd you call him? <laughs> Tyler Doncic. Tyler Doncic. Tyler Doncic. Yeah. Doncic, yeah. I mean, he, look, he would need to be, if they can get back to the bubble form they had in 2020, I can say that much. I think they have a good mix of vets and youth. Are they that much better than last season though, bro? I'm not sure. If Tyler Hero is saying he wants to be 
in the same conversation as, as Trey Young and Luka Doncic. I don't see that yet. I think he's a good player, very inconsistent at the moment. Um, but if he can get to that level, they might be championship or bust if he's if he thinks he's Luka Doncic, bro. Yeah, Bogs, you know, you know, NBA players never have a, a shortage of you know, big balls when they're, they're telephone tough guys when talking about this stuff. You know, they're not going to, they're obviously going to say it to the, 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 the day they die that they're at this level that they're, that they're clearly not. Look, I think he's a very good player. I think he had a very good bubble. I think, you know, I remember sitting with him when he was in high school at one of these camps at Nike and they had us like going over film. And I'm like, yeah, you got to play like JJ Redick. Like this is what you do because you could really shoot. At the time he, he committed to, um, he committed to Wisconsin and, you know, he was going to go to Wisconsin. That's where he's from. And he ended up uh, decommitting and going to Kentucky. And now he's been this fucking cult hero because he's like tough. He talks shit. You know, he dribbles the ball. It, like I was way off on it, you know, because he shot the shit out of it in high school. But, you know, he could do so much more than JJ can offensively. I don't think Tyler Hero is going to be Deluca Doncic. I think that that ship has sailed. I think he could be a really good player. You know, Luka Doncic is a fucking MVP. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's a fucking MVP. You know what I'm saying? Like I always say, folks, 100 players matter in that league. 40 players really fucking matter. And there's only about seven to eight really fucking great players in the league. And to get to Luka Doncic's level, like Hero's still trying to get to the fucking, you know, I would say he's trying to get to the top 50 in the league, you know, like, cause there's a lot of fucking good players in this league. And to say stuff like that, good. Hey, look, if that gets you psyched up and that gets you going great. He well, that's the conversation, right, bro? I mean, is he saying it to, to give himself a, a, a I guess, a, a goal to achieve? And Yeah. And he's working with Drew Hanlon. He was one of the best trainers in, in, in the, you know, in the off season stuff. I've known Drew a long time and he's really helped a lot of players. So he's invested in it. I don't think he can get there. Look, you know, you got to do it on your own fucking team too. Like, like if you're trying to be at that level, like you got to be better than Jimmy, but like to get to Luca. You got to battle out of this mass grave of fucking players. You're about 50 players below fucking Luca. So you got to battle out of the fucking mass grave you're in. You got to still beat out guys like G- on your own team, like Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. You got to do it every fucking game. And it's tough. And it's got not, it's got nothing to do with like being fucking down on Tyler Hero or talking shit about Tyler Hero. That's not it. It's, it's the reality of the NBA. You got to be really fucking good, you know, to, in this league to really make move up these spots look in a year or two can you get to the top 25 maybe they really like him there he's an asset obviously but like like what about your game is great you know like Luka Doncic has probably got the best vision in the NBA like that like he's elite at that you know and then he does a million other fucking things don't get me wrong but like that is his fucking skill he's a hall of famer just on that what can you do that impacts the game? He shoots 30, you know, he shot 36 from the three last year. You know, he's a good athlete, not a great one. You know, he's not like a big time assist guy. He's not a lockdown defender. He scores and he's good in transition. He could, you know, he can make some open shots, but he doesn't do anything great. That like, if you're trying to get into that, and it's great to suck yourself up. It's great for fucking people to tweet it or retweet it in the media, you know, and just fucking replay it and shit. But like, Okay, so when you're trying to break it down to reality sense in the NBA, there's no fucking way. Now, back to the team itself. You know, they're a good team. Um, they're solid. 
Their roster's good. I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry fan, but it was a pretty good pickup for them. Duncan Robinson, in my opinion, didn't have a great year last year. I think he regressed just a little bit because he had to have a bigger role last year. You know, now he got fucking paid in the offseason, so he's got a little pressure. It's interesting to see what happens there. Oladipo, obviously, is not going to play. P.J. Tucker, let's see how long, how much longer he could do what he does at that level. Bam, obviously, is a good player. And then their bench is okay. You know, you got Hero coming off the bench. But, you know, they lose none who, who went to the Lakers in the offseason. You know, they don't really have great players. They got Markeith Morris is okay. Deadman's okay. You know, the interesting thing, I wonder if how deep that this team can go in the playoffs. You know, obviously, they got one of the best coaches in the league in Spolstra. But... You know, they're a good team. They're, they're playoff bound for sure. Like last year, I think I had them in the finals. Of course, they fucking, you know, they wouldn't make it if I said they're going to make it. But I don't, I don't have that same energy with this team yet. Um, I think they're good. I think they're a playoff bound. I think they'll be in the top. I'd say the top five, you know, in the wet, in the East and see what happens. I think they're playoff bound, of course. So we'll see. Where do you see them in the playoff boats and the whole picture of things? Uh, somewhere where you, I probably have them four to seven. Five, five to seven, yeah. somewhere around there. So they'll, sure. they'll be battling potentially with with um, with Boston and a few other teams in that mix. Potentially, a successful year for them would be top four, and, yeah. And then yeah. A, an average year would be the middle. So yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know, I don't, I don't love their roster, but it's Miami, man. They get it done. Um, they always they're, they're the beacon of consistency. They're the Spurs of the East. So I think they'll, they'll the beacon of consistency. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! Have you been reading uh, fucking Strauss's fucking Substack? That's something like that's a statement. I think he would say you yeah. got to pay 49.95 a month to, to <laughs> hear him say it but yeah you, you know sign up now see see if you can uh, come up with some of these gems I've been reading the dictionary in these in these grim times man because it's 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 almost more entertaining than the news so <laughs> no doubt story for another day uh, the Wiz the Washington Wizards I have them just missing out um, of the 10 I haven't playoff bounced I mean the, the, it's it's a close one I think they could be either or I love Beal um, I love him as a player I think he's great he plays both ends the roster isn't horrible, but they're they're the one that I put a line through just based on letting in Charlotte and a few other teams. The Bulls obviously getting in there as well. They have a chance to scrape in the play-in. One thing I'd watch, if they start poorly, Bill, I think the Beal trade train's going to um, be gathering more steam. So I think a, a start the start of their season is key. If they start off well, they've, they've got a, a chance to scrape into that play-in. But if there's any kind of adversity, injuries, um, adjustments to this, to that, we obviously know Kuzma's trying to play a bigger role there now. How does that all fit in? Oh, God. You know, I just think that um, watch this space if they start poorly, I think. And by that, I mean the first three or four weeks start poorly. I think Bill's going to be on another team by the trade deadline pro. But the, I have them playoff bounced, and I think that's a coin flip. Yeah, it's close. It's really close. And I don't think these guys are going to be in to tank. I just think that they might have to make some moves if they don't play well You know, right out of the gate. I think it's very scary to have Kuzma on your roster if he's going to be in. Again, I'm not with these guys day to day. I have no intel on it. But if he's going to have the mindset of I don't have LeBron or, or, you know, I don't have LeBron or I don't have Anthony Davis anymore. You know, this is not my team, of course, but I get this big role. Maybe I could be the number two guy and try to do too much. Kuzma is a very good player when he plays his role. You know, when you get him in a box and he's like your 
fourth best guy and he can do some things and, and run out in transition. And especially if you got a really good point guard with great vision, they don't have that on their roster. So he's going to have to like set up some stuff himself. And that's a little scary because I just don't think that he's that type of cerebral player that like can to, to do things like that. Obviously, we love Bill. You know, that's that's no doubt. KCP with less talented roster, you know, he, he, he came up, you know, he came up big sometimes for the Lakers for sure in the last few years, besides in the balance sheet. You know, every two weeks he came up big. You know, in the statue sometimes. <laughs> Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie is a good pickup for him. I think Dinwiddie will help. He is. He's solid. Dinwiddie is solid. If he can stay healthy, also like um, I like Harold. I think he had a obviously a down year individually, statistically not playing a huge yeah. role with the Lakers. I think um, he had a great year before that with the Clippers. So I think that he'll he'll have an opportunity to get some minutes, and his energy on a bad team will be infectious. So hopefully. He might propel them to, to win a few more games than they should, and I think his energy will help them win on some of those those bad nights you get in the NBA. They're all, like I said, this was a tough one. Thomas Bryant's coming back from ACL. He was a, having a really good season. Um, I like um, Gafford. I don't mind that kid, Daniel Gafford. I think he plays oh, yeah. a lot yeah. of energy off the bench. But Hans is there on a big contract as well. The other one is um, Denny Advia, Advia, Avdia. Where do, where do you see him? Yep. I mean, from from Maccabi Tel Aviv, didn't have a great rookie year. Um, they tried to play him. You know, he got his minutes. They were trying to play him. We, we know they got Hachimura as well, who had a, a decent World Cup and whatnot, uh, Olympics and whatnot. But I think Avdia is there. You know, they, they invested a lot in him. He was a high pick. Yeah, he's not bad. He's okay. He, he just doesn't really do anything great. I think sometimes when you take guys from overseas, they get a little overhyped. Look, you know, if you're looking at this as a, as a long-term development project he could develop into maybe a solid starter fifth fifth option you know i like hachimura i think hachimura like i think hachimura is better in the starting lineup than kuzma is like if i was them like and to get everything going i would probably put kuzma in the second unit and let him really agree you know call plays for yeah jack it yeah go ahead like if you want to do that and maybe it's going to help your game but it's not going to help us in the starting five whatever i like hachimura i think he plays with a great sort of like you know he plays his role he's good you know and he could and he's got talent he's very good and not a great player or anything but it could be a fourth you know good fourth option you know montrez is like his attitude body language stuff day to day like you never know what you're going to get from him he's a good player you know he's solid but like you don't know what you're going to get which is pretty fucking scary Bertans which you know fuck me majorly on my fucking fantasy team last year because he just didn't have a great year last year I like him I think he's very good he shoots the ball he shoots the three he's got size you know he's sort of like uh, Matt Bonner on steroids I think he's a much better Matt Bonner type he's got to be able to do something the problem is they got so many guys now both like Kuzma plays the four, Hachimura plays sort of like the four, you know, Bertans plays the four. It's not going to be a lot of time there unless they play Bertans at some stretch five, but you got Harrell there coming off the bench. So they got to figure out what they're going to do. Aaron Holiday's nice off the bench. They just got to, again, they're going to get punched in the face. They got to figure out what they're going to do. Are they going to keep Beal? I don't think Beal's going to want to stay. I don't think that, I don't think the team's going to do great. They got a rookie coach that, yes, has experience, but not as a head coach. So I think there's going to be a lot of shit going. If I'm them, I'm probably looking to trade Beal, you know, maybe get some assets, maybe get some young players and maybe some draft picks or something like that. I don't know if I would try to do like a, like a Dame Lillard for Beal type of trade, you know, if you're going to go player for player there. 
But like, if you got like, I don't know, if you got CJ, you know, from Portland and maybe Norman Powell for Bradley Beal, maybe I'd think about doing something like that. It'll be interesting. I don't know. I don't like playing that. He's not going to be their bullshit thing. But like, yeah, I think they're playoff bounced. I just don't think they're good enough. The East isn't great, but I think there's some other teams that are sort of more well put together as far as like unity, got a coach with experience and sort of like better talent that they could sort of propel themselves in the top 10 versus Washington. Yep. Yeah, well, watch that space. That was the only one I had that was tough. Atlanta Hawks, for me, can they take the next step and get to the finals? My opinion on them is, did they overachieve last season and get further because of everything going on in the in the East? Did they get lucky with Ben Simmons seeing, potentially? I think, I, I just don't see them getting that much better. There's some comparisons to the Warriors, funnily enough, of, of 2000 and- oh. 13, 14, the, pre, the pre-finals run Warriors of the Atlanta Hawks ah. being in a similar journey or trajectory like veteran big guys, a couple of veteran, you know, around around Trey Young. They've got some scoring, good balance. Um, so people are trying to compare to that. Trey Young, obviously, the next Steph Curry potentially with the way he plays, similar, some some similarities there. I, I'm just not sold. I think they'll be, they'll be top four in the East, obviously playoff bound. I just- I don't know if they get to the conference finals again, pro. I just don't. I don't. I don't know. They haven't really. You look at their roster. Obviously, tr- starts and ends with Trey Young, John Collins. Obviously, he hasn't signed his deal yet, has he? He hasn't extended. I don't think. Could be wrong, pro. Is he extended? Let's make you look good. We'll we'll edit this shit out. Let me check on it so we can edit you out. This is two weeks in a row. You got a fucking streak going here, folks. That I saved you as usual. Hold on, please. <laughs> John Collins extension. I'm just busting the balls. Yeah, so John Collins, August 4th, five-year, $207 million fucking dollars. Can we send the – can we have the meme of uh, the gif of the fucking kid from the fucking Little Rascals throwing out fucking money out the fucking window, like the black and white picture of that fucking You're guy? He's not that guy, bro. Kid. You're saying he's not that guy. 50, 50 fucking million dollars, folks. 50 fucking million dollars for him. I mean, that's a lot. All right, actually, I'm sorry. 40 million. It's uh, I did my math. Five year, 207 million. That's a lot of fucking money. All right, go ahead, folks. You, you, I'm not going to edit it. that out, but I'm going to leave that in for our, our listeners. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, <laughs> I think you're banking on Trey Young, John Collins, long term pieces around him. I like Capella at the five. I think he's a great role player for them. Provides perfectly for Trey Young's game. Lob threat doesn't need the ball. Bogdanovich is key to them. I think it's a second primary ball handler to score for them in the half court. Gallinari's not getting any younger. Lou Williams, obviously, very, very old now, but can still provide a role. Herder's the, the X factor for them. If he, if he can make another jump mm-hmm. this season, he can really help them. But other than that, I mean, I, I just don't see Cam Reddish, obviously, didn't play a whole lot towards the end last season, came back a little bit. Um, he's another one, but I think they'll be about where they were last season if they get to a conference finals. I personally think that's an overachievement. But I think they're playoff bound, but I don't think they're going to be – they're not going to better what they did last season, pro. Yeah, I mean, what they did last season, it's sort of like bubble-ish with like Miami did. You know, they really like jumped it. They just started like riding the wave of success of, you know, know, doing some upsetting during the playoffs. And they got, you know, look, young team of confidence that, you know, you've been around it, you know, in Golden State. When you got young guys that are fucking, you know, you weren't this young. They were probably a little older than this, but not much, you know, like – 
once they start getting confidence and you start rolling, it's just, it's a, it's an infectious thing. I think they're good. Like, they, well, first of all, Nate McMillan is a very good coach and they sort of, he sort of get them going in the right direction, sort of like grouping these guys together. You know, Trey Young, look, they're like a hodgepodge group. Like you don't think that this team together could do, uh, individually can do a lot of things. But you put these guys together, they play well. Like you got Capella is a lob threat. John Collins is a lob threat and he's a tough kid. You know, I like DeAndre Hunter. He plays well. Herder, he plays well. Bogdanovich, if he stays healthy. You know, and that bench is okay. Like you got Gallo, again, if he could stay healthy. Gordy Deng's not bad. You know, Herder coming off the bench. Will Williams could give him a little bit. They're good. I think they're solid. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think they can get to a final. Can they get even to a conference final? I think they could at least get deep into a second round situation. We don't know what uh, injury situations other teams would be dealing or other situations teams would be dealing with. So we don't know matchup wise now, but I think they're definitely playoff bound. I think they're definitely in the eight. I think they, they can definitely win a playoff series. They could probably go at least deep into a second one, possibly get to a conference final, depending on what happens in Brooklyn and how that shakes out. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They're, they're They'll be an entertaining team. Yeah, just a matter of I just don't see them bettering the conference finals. I think they did, you know, the, the, a lot of things yeah. lined up for them. But yeah, I think they'll be a second round and out team. Uh, but it all depends on seedings and health, and we'll watch that space. But to compare them to the Warriors a little bit early, I can see the kind of similarities. But they're they're, they're still an Andre Iguodala and a few other pieces away from from comparing to that team. All right, we're going to touch on the Ben Simmons thing, but we kind of did with the Philly preview around the chemistry in the locker room, which then leads us on to that some there's been some team officials pro, which is which is I think is warranted. They've uh, recently discussed a monetary repercussion to players who ask out, who ask for a trade or, or do what Ben Simmons is doing. Quote: There's, there's got to be some sort of penalty or fine. Said one assistant manager, and then a, a prominent uh, agent basically said that uh, these guys sign the supermax then want to be traded the very next day. It is the new trick of the trade, said one longtime agent. My question is, Pro, isn't this already a fucking rule? I thought there was already a rule around publicly asking for out, wasn't there? Yeah, I think you're, you're fined at some point doing it if you if you publicly say you want to get traded. Uh, look, it's a player's league, Bogues. So players run this shit. Whatever the fuck the player wants to do, you are handcuffed to your team, your players, as far as whatever the fuck they want to do. If they decide they want to hear the coach, you fucking roll with it. If they decide they don't hear the coach, nine times out of ten, you're going to fire the coach. If they want to play, if they don't want to play, if they want to sit, if they want to play, you're, you're totally yeah, – especially your really good players. You're totally like whatever, like whatever – you got to roll with it. And if they sign a Supermax and they want to leave the next fucking day, you got to deal with it. Most of these guys, folks, if you go down the rosters, how many of these guys stay with one team? How many Dirk Nowitzkis are there? How many Kobe Bryants are there that it's going to stay forever? I think it really hurts the, you know, the small market teams like the New Orleans and the Memphis Grizzlies and teams like that where guys are going to say, fuck, we're out. Like, we're going to do our, we're going to do our first, ma- we're going to do our first, second contract with you because it's, it's, you know, there's, there hasn't been any player that sort of uh, said no to that second contract. It's more lucrative. Maybe yeah. they, f- yeah, maybe they force a trade like Porzingis does, but and then they have to sign their second deal, you know, non supermax with, um, you know, with their next team. But yeah, so they're going to go to two t- two contracts. Most likely, you're going to lose your guy before the set the third contract. Not all the always. You have some guys like a Dame Lillard that's going to stay with you and through some deals. Bradley Beal will stay with you through some deals. 
But the, most of these guys are going to fucking bounce. And what are you going to do? There's nothing really you can do. You can't keep them there against their fucking will. Yeah, but there has to be something, bro, because the small team, small market team just continue to get screwed. We're going to see it again with Zion in the next year or two. I can bet my house on it. We both know it's going to happen. We're, we're just waiting. But it's like I get it's a loophole because if you don't want to stay with a team, don't sign the Supermax would be the logical theory. But then you're telling a player to leave an extra 30, 40 million over five years on the table because they can, as we discussed earlier, they sign with their own team. They get a, they get a bit of a bonus. They get an extra year and they can get they can get more on, on the total of the deal. But there has to be something put in. I'm not sure finding guys is, is the way because with this Ben Simmons thing, it's like, okay, you find him once for saying he wants out. Is it then a free-for-all? Can you continue to just say he wants out or is it per comment? I mean, we haven't seen that. It's generally been one comment you get a fine 50 100k eh, whatever a team or someone mm. that is going to or an agent will pay it you know whatever it is comes out of a commission but it needs to be something implemented i think um, i'm not sure what it is what the strategy is but it needs to be heavily frowned upon but at the end of the day you put a rule in for that and then his minders and his people will leak it to the, to to a to a journalist or um, a reporter that breaks news and a shams or a woge and then it's going to get leaked that way anyway right so then how, how does the nba then find a player for it, um, but it's just the ugly side. It's a loophole. It'd be interesting to see if the the union and the um, would the union. Uh, let's not forget they're strongly against this rule. Um, they don't want players hampered to a city. They want freedom, but it's not good for the game long term. Players bouncing around, especially with the supermax shit. Like if you don't want to be in your own zone, don't sign the supermax. Um, but then when when you go on and sign a supermax and then ask for a trade a year into that deal, it just doesn't smell good. And I think it just I think it just hurts the purity of the game, pro. Yeah, it, it's tough, Bogue. So like if you're looking at it, I think it depends on which side you're looking at it for. If you're looking at it from the player's side, you want your freedom. If you're looking at it for your team, like, look, we, we build around these players. We This is what we have, especially if you're a small market. You, you, we can't replace a Zion Williamson like some other guys can. If the Lakers had salary cap room, they can get any free agent they want. But if you're, you know, if you're Memphis, if you're New Orleans, nobody fucking wants to go there. Let's be honest. And what's he going to overpay him? So... Like to keep these guys, and if you're gonna lose them, like what are you gonna do? And then you like who whose side are you gonna take? You know, if the player really wants to leave, okay, so he doesn't say anything. But like, what if the te- what's the player, what the team, but a team could trade him whenever he wants. So I could see why each side like sort of has their deal. Do you do it like football, where if you lose one of these like franchise tag players, where you got to get a certain amount of draft picks minimum in the trade? Do you? Um, handcuff a player's salary where like, you know, okay, so you're super maxed out, but if you do get traded from the team, then you lose out on some money, like I think that's your a good money one. goes I, down. I think you lose that super yeah. max privilege if you want out. So, But the problem is, folks, if you don't initiate it and the team just trades you, now the team can play God as far as fucking how much money you get. So like if you're, say, Boston and you sign Tatum to a, a super max and then like Maybe at some point you say, we don't want fucking Tatum. We, we want him out. And then you just trade him and he doesn't want to go. He's just being Jason Tatum. He doesn't, he doesn't demand a trade. So you just trade him and say he loses on his no, last no, no, three but years. I only do it, bro. Sorry to cut you off. I only do it on, on these cases yep. where someone comes out and publicly demands a trade. So if Boston just didn't yep. want him, if they signed him to the Supermax and Boston has said, Hey, we don't want you anymore. They eat that money out. Bad luck. You, you're paying him. The Supermax carries on and you don't get nothing back. What I'm saying is if Tatum said, came out and said, yes, I've signed my Supermax, but I want out tomorrow. They say, okay, we're taking away that that extra year that you got from us or that extra five million a year because you signed with your home team. That comes back to us. 
it doesn't carry on with you to the next team. I think that definitely makes sense to me. Yeah, something like that. I think both. I think I think like if he wants out and say, look, it's this is an open contract now. Say, look, if you want out, cool. You can say you want out, but you officially have to say that you want out. And then if we do trade you, we don't have to trade you, but if we do, then I would say the rest of your contract. I would say. Not a last year deal. So say if you have three years left and say your super max was 10 million average higher. And I don't know the numbers, but say it's average of 10 million over the 30 million over the last three that you would have got more because it's super max versus non super max. Then I would take the 30 million out. Exactly. If you publicly want to do that. Yeah. Because yep. the player, because if, if you're a super max player, you're going to make that money up. But like, look, yeah, if you want it's out, still thirty I million dollars, bro. Like it'll change. It'll change no some guys' minds. It'll change that agent commission. All, all of a sudden, pro changes on thirty million dollars. So yeah, I think it just throws at least at least it puts the onus back on the player. Like, hey, yeah, cool. You wanna you wanna do that? These are the rules against it. So be very very careful. I think that one makes sense. Don't you fucking dare have the producer fucking, yo, take my voice out and then say you had this fucking idea. I want it on record that I had this fucking idea, you asshole. I know how you and that motherfucker that does the producing fucking works in sync on this shit. You know Shout out to Nick. Yeah, yeah. He's not a fan of bro. (laughs) Nick, good job, brother. All right. So last one before we get to the financial stuff. We discussed a little bit on the Q&A later on about about Beal now. Apparently, he's not vaccinated, but he can play in New York and San Francisco and LA if he's a road player, but Kyrie can't uh, as a home player, which is, we get into that a little bit later, so stay tuned for that. Finally, I know you don't like talking about these, but is the writing on the wall for the Blazers? There's reports um, if they don't start well, a la, you know, what we discussed with Beal, they don't start well. Chauncey isn't Dame's guy that he he wanted, blah, 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 blah. He will ask you out. What do you think? But Dame would ask out? Yeah. Like let's say they start let's say they start ten and fifteen or some shit and it's like ah oh, fuck we yeah. don't like Chauncey's system, I'm not getting shots, we're losing. He's gonna ask out, right? Folks, in the best of times in the best of times when even things are going okay, these guys wanna go. Yeah. And they flake out and they wanna go. Now Dame probably is one of the most dedicated players to his city that's playing in the NBA right now. Like he, you know, he's he's stuck through these guys. He could have left a long time ago. So whatever he wants to do, him and Bradley Beale are probably one and one A on being dedicated to this city. Um but I think that uh it's a good question though. I think he wants. I think he'd want to go. Like I said, in the best of times, these things go bad. They good. They go well until they're gonna go bad. And he's been I a trooper, this bro. Thing he's sp- been a trooper. So yeah, you know, if he did, I wouldn't be as kind of anti it as like Zion asking out because he's 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 gone through thick and thin. Terry was his guy. He got fired. He's tried his best, and and that might be a change of scenery for both. That might be one of those instances where you have a very good player. We just can't get over the hump, and, and we both mutually divorce. You know, I don't think that's the worst thing in this in this scenario because he's actually put the time and effort in, like you said. This isn't a case of like, oh, I just want to go to a bigger city, get me out. So I don't mind it. And I think I think it does happen if they don't start off well, bro. Yeah, I agree, folks. I, I totally agree. I think this thing was gonna go bad if it goes bad. Look, you got a coach that you didn't pick. You know, you didn't not that you didn't want it, but it wasn't really your 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 selection. And then you got, look, you know, this team has and besides that one time they they sort of pumped up in the playoffs a little bit. They haven't done it. You know, and you're going to go and, and you're probably going to want to force yourself out. Right now, no. But I think if this thing drags on and the West is pretty good, let's be honest. You got Golden State coming back with all these guys coming back, you know, from the injury stuff and all that. Um, you got the Lakers that retooled. You got these, you know, you got obviously Utah, you got Phoenix. So as you speak right now in a perfect world, you're like five. 
And you never know, like Dallas is going to be a motherfucker. I think Dallas is better than Portland. So like now you're going down to six, you're going down to seven. It's a motherfucker. Like I said, you got no softies on your schedule. You got very few softies. Yeah, they're not five. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be in that fringe uh, playing to maybe seven, eight, I think. Yeah. Um, unless Chauncey just shocks the world. That's <laughs> some new system where you can play six guys uh, at once. Yeah, I doubt it, but yeah. You doubt it. All right, so last week, Pro, we – um. We got into a conversation led by the great Ethan Sherwood Strauss who got us into just – it wasn't really on the sheet. It just kind of segued that way, which is what we want with podcasts. I think people really enjoyed it. Numerous people have reached out. It was to do with you know financial fraudsters in the NBA and all the people you have to watch out for. And a lot of people reached out and said, can you do – you know, some do's and don'ts or what are the mistakes players are making besides the obvious of buying a, you know, super yacht or some shit. So I thought I'd do sure. my lucky 13 tips. If you want to add any after this, feel free. But um, these are my lucky 13 oh, tips that that, I, uh, <laughs> that I've put together. Now, keep in mind, these are for people that are making, you know, minimum of a million to, 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 to big money. But it's just some of it's pretty simple. Some of it can be used for everyday people as well, I believe, but these are pretty simple things. So for me, the first thing was tax yourself half your salary. So every paycheck you get, you're taxed by Uncle Sam. You know, if you're living in Cali, that's 50%, 53% of your check is just gone, vanished into thin air. Um, take another 20, you know, let's say it's 50-50, take another 25% of that and just put it away. No touch money goes into a bank account. It just sits there and then spend it. If you want to spend the rest, spend the rest or invest it. That's my number one thing to do with your with your money, no matter if you're on a minimum or a max. So say you're 10 million, folks. Mm-hmm. Say you're 10 million. Yep. So now you're down to five because Uncle Sam takes his cut with Joe Biden as president. He probably takes another three. But let's just say five million. And now you're telling me I'm getting five after taxes. So a million out of that, uh, or basically like a million or so, like I think 1.25 million will go like into some account. So you're going to tax yourself another 25% of that. Yeah, actually, I would go. Um, I mean, actually, half of your net. So I would say. Okay, so yeah. two point five. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two point so five. Saying yep. Half of half. You lose half. Sorry to explain that properly then, but yeah. So two point five out of that five gone. If you can't live off two point five million dollars in a year, <laughs> we've got se- we've got separate issues, and that's including even if you're fresh to the city, you need an apartment or a house, you need a new car, right? You got expenses. You need to budget yourself, but that's it. The rest of the money, you're not touching that. It's going in an account, into an investment account or a bank account, um, whatever it is. But that's money aside. So if you can get to that point when you retire, I guarantee you'll be okay, right? Cool. Keep your financial advisor and your uh, financial advisor slash tax advisor and agent separate. Don't have them in the same company. So don't go with a guy your agent recommends and vice versa. Don't go with, with your financial guy goes, I know this good agent. Don't do that. Keep them separate. Accountability is key with that. Ask your teammates what their fees are. NBA agents are generally on between 2 to 5%. A lot of people don't know that because they don't talk about it. It's all negotiable between 2 and 5% on playing contracts and roughly 10 to 20% on marketing commission shoe deals. Talk to your teammates. Um, that's how you figure out if you're getting ripped or not and everything's negotiable. I guarantee you some of these guys say, you're charging me 4%. I've been with you for 10 years. I'm only paying you two moving forward. They're not going to walk away from that. So discuss that openly in the locker room. Don't be afraid to. If you have dependents that you look after, allocate a budget towards them. So if you're one of those people that's like, I'm going to look after my mom and my dad, my sister, my auntie, my uncle, my best friend, allocate a budget to them if you're going to do that. And it stays at that budget. Where I see guys get in trouble is Uncle Jim needs 100K for this fishing boat and then they need this and then there's the repairs and then you just kind of writing checks left, right and center. You say, no, I'm giving you, you've got 5K a month. What you do with it is, I don't care. 
That's your that's your kind of salary from me. We're not going outside of that. It sets a precedent. You're not saying no to family or friends, but at the same time, you're helping them, right? So that's what I recommend as far as that goes. Don't purchase anything expensive expecting your new contract pro. Now, I'm sure you've seen this many times. There's a shitload of players out there that will be like, I'm about to get the max or I'm about to get paid by the team, gone to free agency, uh, rookie extension, whatever it is, um, and they buy something silly and they get hurt. Or something happens, they don't play well, and then they're, they're stuck holding the bag. So don't don't spend it before you've received it. That also goes with 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 housing and anything else. Another one, a house in numerous cities is a money drain. So I knew a lot of guys that would have a summer house in LA. They play somewhere in the Midwest. They have a summer house in LA. That have a, another house in New York. And they'd spend about a week and a half to two weeks in each of those in an off-season. I can go to New York, hang with my boys, party, and I've got my apartment. The other 50 weeks, it's sitting empty. you got land taxes. you got, you know, water, electricity, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, it just becomes a huge money drain for guys. And by the time they figure it out, they're selling it for pennies on the dollar because either the bank's starting to close in or they just need to get rid of it quickly for cash. So, don't do that. We have a 401k, which is super plan in Australia, it's called, um, your retirement plan. The MBA matches, if you invest up to 25 thousand dollars a year into it which is the max they match 140 percent of that pro so right off the bat you're getting your, your 25k turns into what is it 60 odd k just based on the mba matching it that's an incentive to make sure guys are doing it you don't have to invest so my advice to guys were you're getting 140 percent instantly on your money in your retirement plan matched by the NBA, you're not getting any better deal ever in your life for anything pro. So that was a, a big push for me. Uh, there was funnily enough guys that sometimes were like, oh, should I put the full 25K in? I'm like, are you fucking crazy? Like, you know, you're not going to get that matched in any, I don't care if you struck gold somewhere, you're not getting 140% straight away off the bat. Um, even if your investment fund doesn't do well, you've got 140% to play with. So that was a no brainer. One you've probably seen before pro, do not compete with teammates for material things. Mm. Um, I've seen this story mm-hmm. way too many times. And look, athletes are competitive, competitive beings, beings, and it's not just in a layup drill or a five-on-five or an NBA game. It translates off the court into houses, cars, watches, beautiful women, whatever you want to call it. That's where I see guys get in big trouble. Uh, he bought the Ferrari. I'm going to buy the better Ferrari. He bought the Bentley. The problem is you're going to stay within your means. If that's a max guy buying this, he doesn't think twice about it. If you're a mid-level exception or even vet minimum, I've seen rookies on rookie minimum deals try to compete with those guys. And I'm like, you're going to lose that battle eventually. <laughs> like The numbers, I'm not great at math, but 1 million compared to 50 million, eh, he's, he's going to eventually um, wait you out and you're going to be broke. So that was another one I had. And that, that just happens just from athletes being competitive. Um, and that's something that guys have to deal with. Don't fly private if you're not a max contract guy. I think max contract for me is the bar for f- flying private. I see a lot of guys that are on mid-level deals and, and lower flying private at times. And that's, you know, for most people, a four or five seater private jet, you're looking at, you know, up to 10K an hour um, in cost to fly somewhere. Then you've got the refueling cost and the docking, I mean, the putting them in a hangar cost if it's overnight or whatever. So stay away from that. You can lease the newest car instead of buying it. Um, leasing is a great vehicle in America to not have to put upfront money for something. So if it's a if you want a hundred thousand dollar car, you're not forking out a hundred thousand. A three year lease would be roughly seventy k. Um, people will say, well, the car's going to be worth more than that at the end of it. 
who knows, but then you're not you're not outlaying that cost of that money. You can use that for something else. Another one, learn how to say no to family and friends at times, which I discussed in the last podcast, pretty simple one. This one's probably the biggest problem that people face investment-wise, baby mamas and divorce. I mean, I know a player who's paying $30,000 a month in child support, bro, uh, $30,000. In fact, um, I know numerous players. I know one that was paying close to that and actually got sued for more. That's one. So in your married life, invest in your relationship to try and not get divorced would be probably the best investment advice you can get because if you get divorced, that's 50% of your net worth gone. Last one, network. Courtside ticket holders are usually the most powerful businessmen in your city, wherever you play. Go and say hello to them, talk to them. They're probably doing something that's, you know, doing very well in your said city. Network with them and then just diversify, you know, invest with them. They'll have networks, do all that fun stuff and and, and you'll get going somewhere. One I missed, sorry, Pro, was a stock portfolio. If you can start a stock a stock e-trade account or whatever, just put 0.001% of your money in there and just play with it. Play with it and, and learn, learn the hard way, make mistakes and and put some money in there that you don't care about. And this goes for regular people too. Put a couple hundred bucks in. That way you learn about how it works. And once you're actually investing real money that could potentially change your life or hurt you or help you, you, you kind of know the ins and outs. I see a lot of people investing in stocks, even crypto now is the, the, the new fad. I'm going to invest in crypto because it's the hot thing and they're getting really stung. So that's my rant, Pro, as a non-financial advisor. What are your thoughts? Well, how about my 14th? Don't give power of attorney to somebody that doesn't even have a last name that just has a nickname that's named after a fucking <laughs> cartoon how about doing that you know that that might save you but no i think all all that stuff is good like the investment part hey folks so the 140 percent is that 25 grand max or yeah it's 25 grand max you can you can invest more into your retirement fund if you want the match is up to so i can put 100k in but they'll match up to 25k for 140 percent. so it's just a no-brainer that yeah a lot of guys even if you're making 600k it's a no-brainer to do because you can obviously access that in retirement you can take it out earlier but there's penalties much like most for sure retirement plans but but that one's the biggest no-brainer of all time it's like even if that fund makes you zero over 10 years you still got 140 percent return over 10 years (laughs) so you doing pretty well yeah the private thing i remember rodman hearing stories about rodman dating madonna and he was flying flying her around private and flying himself around private he did that shit until he got the first fucking bill the first bill was like six figures and he never did that shit again yeah yeah it's expensive you know like it that stuff's ridiculous though like like hey look if you're making max money you're making steph curry money draymond green money yeah you can do that but if you're on a rookie deal you're right like the you know i've heard i've heard chicago bull stories where people were trying to keep up with jordan i mean it's fucking joke right like you know that stuff is just ridiculous and that's why 80 percent of these fucking players end up broke you just gotta chill like you could you could live as comfortable as possible but family kills you like finances kill you as far as like investments on bullshit you know and just giving up like giving up your power of attorney not putting your money away you know you don't you just got to chill and enjoy it and, you know, say no to people. Like all those things that you said makes total fucking sense that 80% of people won't do. And you're giving them the answers to the test. They're used to getting answers to the test. They played the a power five schools. All their tests were given to them. <laughs> so that you, you're giving them the fucking allegedly. answers. To the test. Oh, I'm sorry. Allegedly. Right. But like they, you're giving them the answers and they still fuck it up. It's like, you can't feel sorry for them. I'm sorry. Like, there's too much information. If this was like the 80s- And that's the regular Joe. Yeah. The regular Joe just can't feel sorry for you because it's millions of dollars, right? But there are some guys that get swindled and you just got to study up. Yes. The swindling, I feel bad. 
Yeah, the sw- swindling, I feel bad. But like, you got like in the 80s, they didn't have this information as much. The 90s, they started to do it. And in the 2000s, you started really hearing about it. You got all this information. You should know what's going on with this stuff and that you could invest wisely. And yeah, they just don't do it. It's fucking ridiculous, man. But what are you going to do? Yeah, it's tough. And you have to make mistakes. You have to make mistakes along the way. That's why I recommend people doing a, a small uh, E-Trade or stock yeah. account and, and playing playing with it yourself, making the mistakes with small amounts of money. So then you know. But yeah, man, it's, it's just one of those things. And everything's today, you can find and learn about fucking anything on the internet, you know? So whether it's good, no, bad, no. or the ugly, you, you type something in and that shit's going to show up. So it's the same with with financial um, well-being and, and I highly recommend- you know, studying up. I did a course on it. I've mentioned it a million times and, and it was the best thing I ever did for my personal financial kind of management. But um hope that answers some people's questions. Now, remember that spiel I gave. This is by no means any financial advice. So if you want to come and sue me, fuck off. Huh. We're going to move on to stats, useful or useless, and then we'll get to fact or fake news and wrap it up. We've got our Q&A at the end. So, bro, preseason. Everyone loves preseason. Josh Giddy, 13.5 points, seven rebounds, five assists, 52.3 percent from the field this one shocked me 40 percent from the three useful or useless uh useless well i don't like to sit on fences but useful in the sense that look he played minutes in actual i hate fucking summer league you know that like preseason is a lot better not much better but it's a lot better than summer league but it, it's not actual nba basketball but it's closest you're going to get to actual nba basketball to average like 40 percent over five games or so that's pretty good like those numbers are good the forty percent is probably the only number I call bullshit on until is a bigger sample size. But so I don't know where I put this. I would say, I would say useful, uh, useful. The forty percent's bullshit until you know game twenty. Yeah, then we'll see. We'll see where it's at. But this other stuff is pretty promising, man. He's played hard. He's showed that he can play. I, I would say useful. What would you say? Yeah, I would say useful. I mean, and he's getting in the lane. I, I watched a few of his games. You know, there's a knock on, oh, he's not that athletic. He's not this. Man, he's getting in the lane at will, and he's got some shit to him in the lane, you know, um, up and unders, and, and, and just make, makes the right play a lot of the time. So I think he's going to he's gonna play himself into a pretty decent season. The 40% one's shocking for me because he's, he's three ball. Even he discussed it when we had him on the podcast. It's something that needs work, but it looks better. Um, he's shooting it with confidence. If he continues in the mid-30s, I mean, his ceiling is much higher than, than even I expected. So we'll watch that space we're big fans of josh giddy on on this forum so hopefully he can continue to kill and he's gonna get, he's gonna get minutes regardless good and bad which is the, the best thing about this he's going to a, a team that's going to develop him all right next one last year the suns went 0-4 in preseason while the bucks went 0-3 both were in the finals the lakers haven't won a game in preseason useful or useless to tell us about preseason bro completely fucking useless i mean if you take any you I know, think it's useful. No, no, any- no, the other way, bro, because it's, it's saying how use how useless preseason is. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. The stat itself. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty fucking stupid. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. That's useful then, because yeah, preseason records mean fucking nothing. It's like winning summer league championships. Nobody gives a fuck, you know, except the ticket takers at the door, the front door. But no one gives a fuck. I, I agree. This is useful. Yeah, yeah, I think it's useful. I think coming off our giddy rant that it was useful in preseason, I mean, he can only play the games that he's played and he didn't play in summer league. Let's not forget he got hurt early. But yeah, as far as the, the preseason records, that's why we kind of tread lightly when overhyping anything that happens in preseason. Games are much more spaced out. There's not as many games. You're still in training camp mode. Yeah, let's wait till the big lights come on in November and December. This one I really liked. From December 1990 to the 1998 NBA Finals, the Chicago Bulls never lost more than two straight games of Michael Jordan. That's from Sports Center. Useful or useless? Mm, useful. 
Man, that's that's a hell of a fucking stat. Yeah. We never lost more than two straight games. That's that's really hard to do. Folks, that guy never played in a game seven in the finals. Yeah. That's got to say something. Imagine that. All those finals that he's in. If you were in two, that's one thing. When you win six and you never played in a game seven, it's pretty fucking remarkable, man. And like I was talking to somebody that day and – and I was asking, I said, how is the relevancy of Kobe Bryant in like how many more years until players start forgetting about him, like the younger generation? And he goes, well, Michael Jordan is a myth to a lot of people because like you only have YouTube, you don't see it. Like we've seen it, obviously, so we know. But like he's a myth and no one, no one, like young players can't even relate to him anymore. They relate to Kobe because he's fresh in people's minds. He's, he played a few years ago and, you know, but like in a couple more years, like four or five, like that stuff, you know, people are going to start having to relate to LeBron James and some other guys because he's just so far removed, which is crazy to think. Right. But um, to think that he never lost more than two games in a row in those finals runs, over that period of time and never went to a game seven, never lost a final series is uh, pretty fucking amazing. It is. It is. And there's numerous, like we had that in Golden State. We we had, um, whenever we lost two in a row, it was, I'm not sure if we did. I, I think the second season we definitely didn't because um, we didn't lose many games at all. But we had we had that in our minds. Like once it was two in a row, <laughs> we're like, all right, guys, come on, what the fuck are we doing? And, and it'd be kind of, there'd be a bit of hostility in the room leading up to that next game. Um, I know, I believe the Sacramento Kings, Vladi Divac's era with C-Web and um, Mike, well, I think it was Mike Bibby at that time and Peja, they had a rule that if they lost more than two in a row, they had to go out for team dinner or wherever they were um, and I like that as well that was you know um, there was a rumor that Vladi actually drove the team bus when it happened too um, which was funny because he, he had a bus license apparently and he would he would be the one driving everyone on the bus at six after they've you know after they've lost a tough game uh, more than two in a row and and then um, yeah they'd catch up and and then you know they wouldn't they wouldn't lose very many more two in a row plus so I like those kind of things and those kind of stories if you told that to young players today that if you lose two in a row, you have to actually go out with your teammates, every team in the fucking league will go 82 and 0 because <laughs> nobody wants to go out with their fucking teammates. Let's be honest, folks. Like, that's like pulling fucking teeth to most of these guys, unless it's a veteran team. None of these fucking young players want to go out with their teammates. Yeah, it just strange. is what it is. That's strange. Yeah. All right. What do you got? Fact or fake news? Folks, we're going to stay with the East. You know, it's it's our theme today. Uh, Tyler Doncic. I'm sorry. Tyler Hero makes the All-Star team. Fact or fake news? Fake news. Nah, I think he's making the All-Star team. Not this season anyway. I think he's still a year or two away. Um, he might jack him up. He might inflate his numbers a little bit. But I think Jimmy's getting on the All-Star team before he does from that team and even Bam. So uh, they're not getting three. <laughs> not getting three on the All-Star team. You know, Bogues, it's, it's hard to be an All-Star. You know this. Like You could put up numbers. You could average 20-plus a game. And to be an All-Star, though, in your a conference, 12 fucking players. you got to be in the top 12 in your fucking conference, which isn't easy. Guys like, you know, Dame Lillard, it was hard for him. Him to make playoffs for a while, you know, Bradley Beal, you know, guys who were like motherfuckers. And we're talking about number one options on decent teams for sure. And and they had hard times to get on. So when you just say I'm gonna be an NBA All-Star, it's fucking tough. Forget about comparing yourself to MVP candidates. You know, and and, and obviously Trey Young's not an MVP candidate, you know, Luca is, but like, you know, Trey Young's an all-star level player. 
you know, who's probably going to be talked about as a perennial all-star player. So to get into that is fucking hard enough. But like, I just think that there's too much, there's too many players ahead of him right now. I mean, maybe if he averaged like 30 and those guys were really good come all-star break, then maybe you could put him in that category. Uh, I just think it's going to be too hard for him. I, I say it's fake news. Correct. Vegas win totals for the New York Knicks is 41 and a half. All right. Do they get over the 41 and a half win total? So do they win 42 games ne- uh, this season? Fact. Yeah, I think they do. I think the team, I think he'll be above, he'll be well above 500 in my opinion. Um, that'll be a very tough team to beat in New York with that crowd coming back the way it has been. The energy's back in the building. I like the acquisition of Kemba. So I think they'll be above, above that. I will go put some money on that right now. Yeah, I would too. Tibbs is a very good coach and, you know, he's got management that's sort of behind him. And as you know, you've seen it, you've seen both ends of it. When your management lets your coach do what he needs to do and just gives them the assets that they need to, you know, to win and through draft free agency trade, you know, and, and the coaches are looking over his shoulder how to do it. Like, you know, you know, you don't have a situation where he doesn't want to shoot threes, but the front office is forcing him to shoot threes, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Like they, like they know that he plays, he, he, they play, he plays his rotation players a hell of a lot of fucking minutes. There's no load management with him. He's all about it. He's all about fucking just, you know, beating those guys into the ground with minutes. And they seem like it's okay with it because he's had success there. They're tired of not having success. So they let him do what he does. They got good talent. They don't have great talent yet, but they have good talent. I think they're, I think it's, fact i think they're gonna win i think they'll win about 43 to 45 games i think it'll be close but i think they get over the 41 and a half win total that vegas has last one boston gets out of the first round fact or fake news oh fake news they're gonna be they're gonna be down the bottom half of the conference anyway so they're gonna be facing one of you know brooklyn milwaukee philly atlanta so no uh, potentially miami uh, up there um yeah they're not f- fake news they're not getting out of the first round yeah folks i think it home court advantage is so big in the nba playoffs and like if you're gonna get to five and you're very close to the four team the, the home court advantage still means something when you lose it but you know you might be able to overcome four you know, you know, just because you're so close, if you could steal one, you're in good shape. But when you're when you're playing a one, two, or three seed in the first round, I think it's almost impossible. It's not impossible, but I would say it's very unlikely that you're going to win without home court advantage. So I don't expect the Celtics to do that. I don't. I don't and I don't expect them to get to five. I expect them at best to be at like seven, six or seven top, probably more likely seven. And um, it wouldn't shock me if they were playing like a, 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 a low-seeded uh, playing team. But like, I just don't see them overcoming, you know, that adversity of rookie coach. They don't have great talent. They got good talent. So it ain't like one of these guys who takes over, you know, it's not like a Steve Kerr. You know who takes over a big time team? You know when when they already went through, went through the shit. This team really hasn't gone through the shit, even though you know Brown and Tatum has been deep in the playoffs before. Like they've got a lot of moving pieces here, plus a rookie coach that it's not going to be easy to win games in that conference. So I don't think they're going to win the first. I don't think they're going to get out of the first round. I, I think it's fake news. I agree. All right, off to our Q and A. All right, welcome to episode thirty eight. Q&A on the calling app basketball series. So a reminder, if you have not downloaded the app, please download it and we will get started. We have Dan. Welcome into the show now to ask a question. 
just a question for you, Bobes. Um, two parts. Listening to your uh, Gorgian podcast the other day, who do you think modern day or old or older would be three NBL players that would fit in the modern NBA game? And the disconnect between the NBL and local basketball associations in Victoria, how do you think that can be rectified? So your first question was current or present NBL players that could play in today's style of the NBA? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, so older players, E.G. Gaze or Heal, even like Vlahov, do you reckon they'd be a good fit for, like would have been a good fit for modern day NBA? Um, I think as far as transitions, I think Sam McKinnon would have been one for sure. I think Sam, Sam McKinnon was a, a kind of tweener, 3-4, but with the way the game's gone, he's 6-7, six, 6-8, six, really athletic. Streaky three ball, wasn't a knockdown three-point guy, but could knock down 4-1 game and then maybe not make one the next, really streaky. But I think he's a guy that definitely um, could have transitioned. Simon Dwight was one as well um, that I thought he never really – I think he had one year where he went over to the, try to make it in the in the um, in the NBA or did a camp or something. I believe I could be wrong, but he was a guy that man. He was an elite rim protector. He was an amazing shot blocker. Yeah, amazing shot blocker. But he had the three ball, which was under. He didn't use it a lot, but he had it feet set. So in today's game, if you can get a, a, a rim protecting big that shoots threes, they're very rare. I mean, um, Brook Lopez probably one of the few that can can do that at a high level. Miles Turner maybe, but usually it's one or the other. Um, so that'd be another one. And Gaze had a little stint. Shane Hill had a little stint. Another name, gee, I mean, Vlahov maybe, but I just don't think he was athletic enough to play in the NBA. Um, I mean, Gaze probably gets more of a run now, I think, in today's game because the athleticism isn't as important if you can get buckets, if that makes sense. So I think he'd probably get yep. get more of a more of a stint um, pro. I don't know what you think about that. You think Gaze in today's era would have a better chance? Oh, yeah, just because how the, the floor spread and – how space is so important, how he could just shoot. And he's pretty crafty off the dribble when they ran him off the line too. So I definitely think Gaines would have been a, a very good player. Like, you know, probably a little like similar to like a Jason Campano or someone like that, Matt Carroll. Better than that. I mean, those guys, and those guys had pretty long NBA career. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things. You just a lot of it comes down to timing. So you have to um, obviously time it. But um, I guess the, you know, the other part of the question, the disconnect from the NBL to junior associations. I mean, I know I know Melbourne United's trying to do a really good job with engaging, um, you know, junior junior organisations and all that kind of stuff or associations. But to me, there, there seems to be a just a massive disconnect between association to association in Australia and Victoria. You know, you've got all these rivalries in states, so this association heads this association. You want natural kind of sportsmanship-like rivalries. They're normal, but to the point where, you know, they won't share resources or they're offended that this kid got picked in the state team over that kid and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And then so, so then you've got that within metro regions. So Sydney, um, you know, Melbourne, all those associations are rivals to a point of hatred. Then you've got the country versus metro. There's a hatred there. Then you've got state to state. I mean, and for us to be, you want those rivalries, but you want them in a sportsmanship type type manner. And, and that's what, what he's lost. Um, you have to, 
be able to share resources at times to better junior development. Um, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of junior associations out there that just value winning over everything at a young age. And let's be honest, it's great to win an under-16 state title or domestic title or rep title. Fantastic. But no one's going to remember that shit at the end of the day. Um, it's a great story to tell when you're 40. I remember that day we, we, won, we won a championship and that's about as far as it gets at a local barbecue. But the onus should be on junior development. I think there is a bit of a disconnect there, but I don't see it necessarily as just an NBA association disconnect i think it's every kind of um state runs their programs differently like new south wales is ran completely differently to victoria's ran completely differently to perth and wa and it just i'm not sure what the solution is i think on the national level there needs to be some unison and how how, how it all runs and, and then funnels into into one kind of collective um but in saying that we've done a pretty good job in development over the last couple of years so last decade anyway so um i guess your question will probably be around how much better could it get if it was if it was done even better hey look let's go let's go another question for dan uh what do you think of the dante exum situation now that he's been waived by houston great question i just saw that actually um pro you might probably know more about me more than me about this i think he's got his deal was a three-year non-guaranteed 15 or something like that i might have read and i think that could be a part of yeah as to why they've waived him to maybe then re-sign him on a team-friendly vet min deal or or something along those lines pro i mean what what are your thoughts on it yeah i don't know um as far as i have thoughts on it but i don't know about what if they would do that or not i think that usually you sign three-year deals like this non-guaranteed you have certain thresholds that you have you know depending on you know date on the roster and then different things you know sort of trigger in I mean, it could have been just he got beat out. Might they want to go younger? I, I'm not sure 100, percent but it's it's interesting because even for him, for 15 million five you know five a year for three, I mean, it's a very team friendly deal. I mean, even if he got vet minimum, so like, what's he going to be at two eight? You know, saving two million bucks. I don't think they're at the threshold where they need to. You know, they're not obviously even close to Golden State where like they got to they got to. You know, watch every penny yeah. that they spent. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe, maybe he just doesn't have it for them. Maybe they just want to go younger. I, I, you know, even though he's not that old, but you know, I'm not sure. It, it's funny because of all the Olympic stuff and how good he played and fit into a role and seemed like he was in great shape. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's hopefully somebody else picks him up and, you know, I, it'll be tough for him because all these rosters are set and, there aren't many rosters that are left, you know, roster spots left. I don't know, maybe Golden State, I think they were keeping their 15th spot open. Maybe maybe they take a gander at it. What do you think, both? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm not, I'm not sure what the deal is. Um, sometimes these things can be contractual, like we just said, where they, they have a handshake agreement and say, hey, listen, we're going we're gonna, to you know, terminate your contract, cut you, release you, and then re-sign you in a month. Or I've seen that happen before. Maybe Dante has a potential bit min deal with someone else in the works and has just said, look, where am I at? Are you guys going to pick up my option? I need to know. They said, no, we'll let you move on. So who knows? Um, I, I don't think he's out of the league. I, I see some Australian, <laughs> Australian NBL fans already saying, you know, telling NBL teams to call him and get him to the NBL. I, I don't think he's in that position yet. I think he'll have an opportunity to sign, you know, with, with numerous other teams. But it's just, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you just need to figure out what his fit is. And and um, yeah, I just I just don't know why he can't get a backup role somewhere. I mean, he really is. He really had a great Olympics. And and where he really surprised me was he was erratic offensively in the Olympics. He had a few high turnover games from the point guard spot. There's there's questions about whether he's a one or a two. Doesn't shoot it well enough for a three. Does he handle it well enough for a one? He's in between that. 
But he was really good defensively, man. Like, really, really good. Length, it looks like he's finally figured it out that he can create some havoc on the defensive end. So, you know, if I'm a GM, you, you, can, do, you can do a lot worse as a guy from 6 to 10 on your roster. And you're not doing any better on a guy that's 10 to 15 on your roster. So, I'm kind of, um, yeah, I'm kind of shocked that he just can't seem to stick. But I, I think, you know, if I was a betting man, I think he'd be on an NBA roster within the next couple of weeks, bro. I think so, too. I mean, if I'm a team looking in, you know, why not? He doesn't need the ball in his hands, even though he can't really impact the game offensively on the perimeter shooting, you know, consistency. I would at least want to have him 10, 12 minutes a game, you know, being able to defend, being able to just run in transition, being able to make corner threes if he had him, you know, in there. But just the way he defends and he doesn't need the ball in his hands, you know, maybe like a poor man, Cephalosha back in the day, just something like that. But like, you know, even if you don't trust him to be a starter or someone who plays high up in your rotation, I mean, 10, 12 minutes a game, especially with all the young guys they have, you know, and I know the young guys they draft, they're like Jalen Green and things, they need minutes. And and I understand that, but um, I think he'd just be a very low risk, very solid player to have off the bench. And, but um, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe they sign him back in a month. Maybe he's, Maybe they've, he's got a deal somewhere else and they just wanted to let him go early enough where maybe he could jump on another roster of a team that maybe kept that 15th roster spot open. Yeah, I don't think he'll be a two-way player or anything. That I don't even think he qualifies for that. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't think we're looking at a D-League situation here. Yeah, I think you hit it spot on. I think the other the other play for him, for those wondering how this all works, would be even if he doesn't get picked up now, he'll just stay, you know, I assume in LA or somewhere, continue to stay in shape and, and there's going to be an injury eventually to somebody and that's the other the other strategy you can implement. It could be a veteran team, it could be whatever and he'll he'll get snapped up. He'll be probably the first, second, third guy on that list if there's an injury to, to a champ, you know, a Lakers or a Brooklyn or someone that needs someone that can come in and help. So I don't think the, I think we're a bit premature Putting him in that NBL basket right now, I think he's still got um you know a few few good few more good years of basketball in the NBA to prove that he can stick before the NBLs. You know, if he was 30, 31 and this happened, you'd be like, okay, like maybe he just comes back home to Melbourne and or, or wherever he signs in the NBL and, and settles down and just gets back to you know knuckling down and being somewhere for three or four years rather than bouncing around. But yeah, he's he's what is he mid twenties if if that? Um, I think he's yeah he's he's very very young still, so he's got a chance. Any other questions? Thanks for that one, Dan. All right, Joe, welcome to the show. I'm mute your mic and ask your question. Did you ever get in trouble for having sort of provocative views within the uh, with your teammates, or was that mostly just sort of in the media? Did I? No, I didn't. Um, funnily enough, I don't like to think I have provocative views. I think I have um, views outside of uh, what's Hollywood or mainstream. And funnily enough, those views and topics are discussed at times in the locker room when the cameras are off and the lights are off. And um, I'll tell you this: that a lot of a lot of opinions in the NBA locker room are different to what they um, are on camera. And an example would be: um, I'm still really good friends and, and was really good friends with Harrison Barnes, and um, we would have you know heated debates on on numerous things, whether they were political, sporting, world, world events, whatever it was, and oftentimes ag- agreed uh, to disagree. But it was. It was a civil adult conversation on things. It was never personal, and um, he he explained some things to me that I, I never thought from that perspective, and and me vice versa, and and we were still great um, friends to this day. So I mean, for the most part, conversations in NBA locker rooms will be a trending topic on on social media or in the media, and. That's about as far as as the conversation will go. Till it just can't go too deep because guys aren't just that well read for the most part. They don't really get too passionate. But Harrison was one of those guys that 
really studied what he was talking about and so did I and, and we had great conversations. So, I didn't really get any backlash, at least in my face. I've, I've heard murmurs behind my back but um, that's that's just a part of, of everyday life with, with anything you do, I think. Pro, what about you? Yeah, yeah you know me, Bogues. I'm not really all the – well, I mean, not for politics. I, I shit talk and, you know, I go at players and they go back at me. And But, you know, I've gotten in trouble for times for uh, – you know, for talking too much shit to players and stuff. Carlisle fucking <laughs> tore me a new asshole a few times. One time was fucking great. I'll, I'll tell you this fucking story. This is a this is a this is an all timer. So I'm a huge fan of Ted, right? So, uh, you know the the movie Ted with um, yep. what's his name with yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Mark well, Wahlberg. Yeah. So he got he got me a Ted teddy bear. You know, just because just just to fuck around. You know, and it swore it, it, it like it had lines in it like from the movie. And it swore. It was great. I rode it around in my car. Like, I had it in the front seat of my car for, like, two months. So, we were in Utah, and me and Jose Calderon, you know, we we, we fool around. You know, we joke around. I've got a great relationship with, with uh, Jose. And before the game, like, I don't know if I, like, gave him shit or something like that. And Carlisle screamed at me. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, it was before the game. No big deal. Game's over. I don't even know if we won or lost. We get off the plane and I'm walking off and he goes, Hey, cut that fucking Jackie Gleason act, all right? And I'm like, Huh? And like Jackie Gleason's like a like a fat actor back in the sixties and seventies and eighties. He like big time comedian. And uh he's like me, jolly, but always fucking around. And he goes, Stop that fucking J- J- you know, Jackie Gleason act. And I got fucking pissed. So I get out, it's freezing fucking cold out. I got our security guy. And I was driving him back downtown because he, he doesn't drive to the uh, to the plane. So I go fuck this guy. Before the security guy got in my pl- in my car, I took the fucking doll out and I ran it over twice. And I left it on the tarmac. And I fucking dr- we drove out. And security called the security guy and flagged us down. And he forced us to come back and pick up this doll that had a fucking tire <laughs> fucking mark on it. You know, and I said, fuck this guy. I never told the security guy. I said, yeah, I must have fell out of my car. I had no idea. <laughs> I ran that motherfucker over, folks, and put it in reverse again. You know, it was his fucking gift. I just wanted to leave it there like, so he could see it walking out of the plane. But, uh, nah, I never really got in trouble. You know me. I'm not, you know, I'm not really... Like, I'll fuck around and stuff, but I'll, I know what line to, to sort of not cross, but that's probably the closest thing I did to get in trouble. And I got fucking fired. So anyway, maybe yeah. Maybe it did attribute a little bit. Yeah, you got fired yeah. anyway. So so you you should have just, just went gung-ho. Would have worked out the same. Yeah. It's fucking hilarious. I still have it in my garage. It's got a fucking tire print all the way across the fucking body. It's fantastic. Have you still got it? I still got it. Yeah, I'll take a picture and send it to you. I, unless my wife threw it away, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, all right, Joe. Thanks for your question, mate. Thanks, Rod. I uh, I uh, grew up in Union, live over here in the state, so I love your podcast. Uh, makes me uh, stop being homesick. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks, Joe. Mr. David Sachs, welcome to your own your own app. <laughs> hey, Bugs, how you doing? I'm good. Yourself? Good, good. So, hey, I don't know if you covered this earlier in the show, um, but I want to ask you about the Kyrie Irving situation. Um, what, what do you think about this? Did he really turn down a $200 million deal uh, because he didn't want to get the vaccine? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know the man at all. Is, is that basically, is that the, the entirety of the story? Is there more here we don't know about? I mean, it seems like an extraordinary 
decision, whether it's something you agree with or not, it, it's an, it seems like an incredibly principled decision on his part. Um, what, what do you know about this situation? And, you know, I guess, that, yeah, that's my question. Yeah, thanks, David. Um, I mean, Ron and I had, had a debate about this a couple of episodes ago. This was before um, it came out that he's he's just going to sit out, and I think it's it is interesting. I mean, there's a lot of people that have their opinion about Kyrie. You know, he's had the flat Earth comments before, and they label that straight in with the anti-vax stuff. Um, he's basically said that he's he's somewhat fighting for everyday people that have had mandates put on them that they have to be vaccinated to work. That's that's what I read in his comments. He did an hour or two long. Did you see that pro uh, spiel on Instagram? Yeah, I did. Yeah, and I th- yeah. look, I think he made some valid points about about it. Now people are questioning whether that's the real reason why he's not taking it is he hiding behind the fact that he's saying he's sticking up for other people is he really but that's a that's something that he's he's expressed um we'll never know if that's the truth or not but you can only respect the man for his word and i think around the contract stuff david i think it's future earnings as well so he's on a max deal right now he's losing money and then i think people are saying there's a potential for him to have another is it one or two more super maxes pro i think it's one more right yeah, I think it's. I think it's one more. Yeah, to so be honest, I think it's something like it's a lot of money. I don't know how much it was, but it was one hundred and eighty million. Is that number right, or maybe yeah, it'd, more? Be, clo- it'd sure. be close to two. Yeah, if Steph's on, if they're on, all two, it'd be close to two over whatever whatever term. So yeah, he's risking that. Um, obviously, if he stays in his stance not to get vaccinated, I highly doubt anyone's even giving him the vet minimum. <laughs> you know, I think people are just going to want to stay away from it because of the ramifications. So it is very interesting. Um, in in, in um, and I don't think he's eligible for it, both. I don't think he's eligible for Supermax because he's not with his original team unless they change that rule again. But originally, you cannot get Supermax money. Now, you can get a, a shitload. You can get $50 million a year and whatever. You can go up. But if you're not on your original team that drafted you, I do not think you're eligible for Supermax. But you can get – I mean, you could sign a big deal. It'd be close to 200 it's just not like the super, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be close. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's a tough decision. I think it's just one of those things that you have to respect his decision for. And, and I'm, I'm interested to see if he goes the whole, what we discussed this two episodes ago now, Pro, whether he goes the full gung-ho and actually, you know, it seems like he's well, that one guy. I, I, we kind of both agreed that we had Stra- Ethan Sherwood Strauss on that he's probably the one guy that would go gung-ho on this, Pro. I, I don't know if you still feel the same way, but it seems like he'd be the one guy that might stand his ground and just say, I'm, I'm not doing it. And, you know, whether whether direction it goes, whether the teams or the NBA eventually just say, oh, you know what, we'll get on with it. But um, the other interesting thing is, which we have in our run sheet, is um, Brad Beal, I think he hasn't had the vaccination either, I've just read. He can play in San Francisco and New York as, yeah, a, crazy. as a road team player. With no restrictions. In LA. Yeah, LA, yeah. Um, LA, yep, California for the most part. Without any restrictions, but Kyrie Irving being the home team guy can't. So, you know, the the double standards and the logic around this is is a whole separate debate. But give me your take on uh, on on Kyrie, bro. Yeah, folks, I mean, look, on the one end, he, he's had issues everywhere he's been with, you know, being difficult. Now, if he's right, if he's wrong on these things, I mean, almost everywhere he's been, he's been, I don't want to say a problem like getting in trouble. He's not one of those guys. He's just sort of, you know, um, he's sort of very heavily opinionated. And sometimes it just gets in the way of doing some things and, you know, burning some bridges sort of along the way with his organization stuff. Um, he chooses not to do the vaccine. Look, it's, um, I don't agree with it, but look, that's him. And like you said, no one's going to find out. Who, like, if it's the real reasons for not taking it or whatnot, standing up for people or not, hey, whatever he does, he does. But, um, I, I don't, 
I mean, obviously Brooklyn's going to stand, you know, stand strong on this and he, they're just going to wait it out. I think if it doesn't get rectified soon, meaning he doesn't sort of take the end up taking it. I think, he, I think a, uh, it's very possible to see a Kyrie for Ben Simmons trade, you know, in the works, you know, for, for those two guys, possibly. I don't think that, I don't think that Portland would ever take him for, for Dame, but, uh, maybe a, a package of like CJ McCollum and some stuff as well. But I, like if I'm Philly, if I'm Philly and, and, and things are going like this with Simmons, we definitely got to get rid of him. You know, Irving's a pain in the ass, but like you put him with Joel, Joel Embiid and the other players, why not? You know, you can ship Simmons, Simmons out. Therefore, you know, he, um, you know, now Kyrie can only miss a few games and not no. But then, technically, Kyrie, Kyrie could then play in Brooklyn if he got traded to Philly, right? <laughs> per the NBA, yeah, per the he could play for a, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't even think of that, but oh. of course, you, you you thought of that. I, I didn't even think of it, but yeah, maybe that happens. I don't know, but um, well, he's been on look, record saying he that he, he, he will retire if traded. Right? Did I read that right? I'm pretty sure. Well, he he, he went yeah. Well, he went back on his Instagram and said that's not true. That is not going to resign. And like people, are, people putting words in his mouth. I'm not sure. You know, you know how NBA players are, folks. You know, like you know Stephen A. or whoever could have got it right, and then he just wants to sort of say, "Ah, oh, it's not true." Whatever. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. You never know what's inside these guys' heads as far as where they're at. Like we all said, though, if there is one guy to do all this, it's him. You know, like he's always got to be right in every room that he's in, and you know, just to make a point, he might say no. But two hundred million bucks is a lot of fucking money. I. I think Edward, he's not. I think he would get traded before anything. Um, I don't think there's a lot of guys that would trade for him because you just don't know what you're going to get. But there are people that need to win games and need that talent on the roster that they would take him. And like, I think if I'm him, I'd want to go to Philly. If I'm him, I'd want to, you know, maybe I'd go to Portland. And, I mean, it would be a little ugly, but him and Dame in the same lineup. Like, there are a few spots that he would probably say, yeah, I'd go and, you know, deal with that. But, um, yeah, okay, I don't know. So let's say, let's say you know, you know today, pro so today, right now, the, the NBA and and they they put in a mandate saying if you're not if you're not va- you know you're not double vaccinated, you're out of the NBA. Do you think Kyrie still doesn't vaccinate? I think he vaccinates at the end of the day. If they're going to put it to him like that instead of saying you got to jump through hoops. I think he does. It's a lot of fucking money, and he still has got ego like every other player. And what is he, thirty years old? Like I think he does. It's interesting because he's on record. He's on record saying that he's he's not doing this for the money. He's doing it for um you know every everyday people that are, are having mandates put on them, and if they they don't get it, they get fired. Um, so it's hard to backtrack from that yeah. now because then then you get the sellout conversation of if you do do it, you know. So I, I think that's true. I'm, I'm shortening it. I'm saying I'm, I I think he's I think he's all in. I think he's pushed his his chips to the table. A la David Sachs when I play him in no limit hold him and he takes most of my money but yeah i think he's put, pushing <laughs> the chips to the table and saying this is this is me this is what i'm doing yeah i also say i'm not gonna eat four bowls of cereal after 11 o'clock in bogues <laughs> and i've lost that bet 20 straight times so we'll see he wouldn't be the first or last nba player to go back on what he said but you're right if there's one fucking guy in this league that's got the balls to do it it's him thanks david for your question yeah i, I, I yeah I, I hate to say it but as soon as i push my chips into the middle of the pot and i, I don't win the pot so other people get those chips <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate the question, David. All right, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Take one more. We got anybody else? Charlie? Charlie, yes. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Hey, pro. Hey, Bogues. How you doing, man? Um, my question, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm calling from New York City. Um, my question is around um, if you have any 
any take on uh, Joey Ingles and and like the the locker room dynamic uh, potentially there with with uh, Utah and in the mandates. In, in what sense? Just just I guess larger picture about Kyrie and and what the what the impacts will be with these with uh, players individual decisions and how that impacts the locker room behind the scenes because we see Twitter Instagram and and uh, pretty soon what will happen on camera but how how does something like this impact the locker room and um, the chemistry with with a team okay regarding Kari did you say Joe Ingles first yeah but that that was that was just a one one example but um, just broader how does how does something like this impact the behind the scene dynamics in the locker room? Yeah, I, I think um, there's two takes. I mean, I've, I've seen Kim Durant's comments about it. Um, I've seen him referring to that he's barely spoken to Kyrie, which I find strange. He's barely spoken to him about it all. I guess it's each to their own. You know, Carl Anthony Towns is very outspoken about it because his family's had COVID, so he's very pro. Um, I know the owner of, of the Brooklyn Nets, Joe Sy, I think, I believe he's heavily, heavily pro-vaccine at all costs. So there's different conversations. I, I mean, my opinion in all of this is that, you know, someone's decision should be their decision, that they will be called selfish because they're not putting the community first. But I agree with Kyrie to an extent. It's his body, and if he decides not to do it, he's got to deal, obviously, with the repercussions of it and the rules around it, as Pro said many times. But I still think as human beings, you have the right to say yes or no what's going into your body. I think... Considering you know where the NBA has been the last three or four years with a lot of the social justice activism and, and whatnot, I, I would I would hope most players, whether they agree or disagree with Kyrie, actually agree with the fact that he should be able to make his own decision. I would hope, right? You don't have to agree with it, but you, sh- you should agree with the premise of, hey, this this guy, he's made his decision. He has to live with the consequences of it, but we support him being able to make his own decision even if we disagree with it. And I think with, with everything that's been pushed from a social act- activism point of view and, you know, um, helping minorities and that, well, well Kari's a, a big minority right now, technically, by by the stance he's taken. So you should support that if you're for all those other causes, but you don't have to agree with, with what he's doing. So I think it's a tough one. I think players behind the scenes, um, some would be supportive, some would be sniping at him behind his back. Very few would say it to, to, to his face, I, I assume, pro, but that's just the reality of the NBA. Everyone's going to have a different opinion on it. There's going to be guys that are going to do it just because the team said you're going to lose hundreds of thousands of dollars, sign me up. What do I need to do? I need to put 10 of these things in. I'll do it. There's players that think, think it through more and probably make a decision based on on themselves. And then you've got people like Kyrie that are just probably a bit more um, disagreeable that are just like, I don't I don't want to do this because I'm told to do it. And, and that's his right. Um, that's how I feel about it, bro. We saw, you know, like a few weeks ago, Draymond came to Wiggins' defense pretty publicly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, 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 yeah, go ahead, bro. No, I just think all these guys will support it until it really affects them. And then I think, look, I can't speak for anyone, but I think I could speak for human nature and, and everybody's going to support it until, like, if I'm James Harden and I'm Kevin Durant, like, you you basically went there because, of, partly because of Kyrie being there. And now, like, you're all in a unit. Yeah, you're saying that you support it, whatever is its choice, but now you're in a unit, a huge part of your salary cap is with a player that's dead salary that you can't, that's it, not, you're not going to use them until he decides to take it or you trade him. So now your your chances of an NBA championship went down about probably 20% or so not having that guy in the lineup. So you got to be thinking, shit, I could have signed anywhere else. I could have gone anywhere else, but I decided to go here. Yes, because of the city, because of the situation, maybe because of your coach, 
but very much so because we're going to have these three guys together with this roster. So there's definitely going to, there has to be animosity. Like Vogue said, it's not going to be to his face, but it's going to be behind his back. Yes, you support everybody's decision on other teams not taking it, but if it's going to really impact you winning a championship, you got to be fucking pissed about it. You know, regardless of what you say, you know, regardless of what you say in the media, you got to be fucking pissed because now you're going to miss out this whole season on this guy. And then, you know, you're not going to get equal trade value back. So now, I mean, yes, you could still win a championship without him, but I mean, you would just think that, hey, just take the thing. But like Boke said, I, and I agree with that. I think he does, he should have his right to choose, but you know, not, but you got to deal with the repercussions of, because of it. So you got some interesting deals and, and, and we'll see how it shakes out. I'm sure this is not the first or last time we're going to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, and, and let's not forget, Pro and I have probably both agree that we don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know if you've changed your tune, Pro, but I, I don't think it's. I don't think we're at a ninety five percent double back rate in the NBA. Fuck no. <laughs> so, Fuck no. So not. like, how, no. how heavy is Kyrie in the minority? I think there's a lot of players that haven't commented and that probably are in that boat of of still either not making a decision or are have. I know. I know some players that are have had. You know, are double vaccinated, but still support Kyrie quietly. Who knows where it all goes? This is just a shit show of a time we're living in. I think everyone looks outside their window. The world is on fire, as Pro says. We just need that meteor to come and just re- reset things. We can get on with life. I'm waiting, brother. I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Pro, Holy man, we've got, we got a lot of listeners, man. We've got a lot of listeners. So for you know, this is our biggest twenty-seven. Yeah, our biggest tune-in for the uh, the calling app, which is a fresh new app. So, uh, Charlie, thanks for your question, by the way. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, thanks again for joining us on the calling app for that Q&A. Remember, if you want to join that, please download the call-in app. You can jump on, get your voice heard by Pro and I. Thanks, Pro. That wraps up episode 38. Next week, we will do our Western Conference preview, so tune in for that, and we will see you next week, bro.